of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us as we walk through this this uh, series of, of news uh, together. My goodness, the uh, <laughs> it just keeps on coming, doesn't it? You can't stop the news from coming, can you? Uh, an attack in Paris again. Gee whiz. Um Apparently one police officer killed, uh, two, uh, two or three shot, you know, early reports. And, and of course it is, um, we're trying to find a motive. We believe it's, uh, terrorism related. We believe the shooter is Muslim. You won't hear that. You, you won't hear that on the mainstream media. Uh, however, it is what it is. A Muslim terrorist attack again, again. When are we going to learn? Broadcast live right here in the Ra- Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much for, again, for, uh, carrying our program, Global Star Radio Network and, uh, Blog Talk Radio, BTR. And of course, right here on YouTube. But, uh, but here we are. Again, attacks in Paris. Or an attack in Paris. But don't worry. Don't worry. Immigrants, come on in. We can coexist. That's right. We all worship the same God, Alu Akbar. Until, uh, well, of course we don't. You know that. And, uh, see, what you're seeing in Paris, what you're seeing all across Europe, because of this alien invasion, because of their liberal, oh, how progressive the Europeans are. Just drive, drive around one of those roundabouts and the cities that you've got. You like those? You know what I'm talking about. Things, gee, keep going, roundabouts. There's some European stuff for you. That's a great European idea, isn't it? And of course, uh, another idea right up there with the roundabouts are the, uh, is the alien invasion, the Muslim invasion. And this is all part of the civilization jihad as referenced or as delineated through the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, conquest by civilization jihad memorandum back dated back in 1991 found in 2004 published you know it, it's all part of this larger scheme it's all part of this larger plan and then uh, of course you see the rapes you, you know Paul McGuire is going to be on tonight talking about this among other things Paul McGuire is talking about has talked about Paris long before the attacks took place and uh, he called this prophecy of the future of America uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. He called this. Um, it's coming. It, it, it's here in America already. It's latent. It's here. But it's latent. Meaning there's, yeah, things will pop up here and there. But at the moment, it's just bubbling under the surface. Can we push it back? Yes, we have that opportunity right now to push it back. Will we? Do we have the political will? Uh, probably not so much. Because the political correctness crowd has run amok. 
I would be remiss if I didn't mention this to you. For those who don't know, how many saw that video of that alleged neo-Nazi guy, guy dressed in blue, at the NT, okay, go back to Berkeley last week, previous week. A guy dressed in blue that smacked roundhouse that, uh, that young lady. Although my description of her as a young lady may subject to change. See, the mere mention of her name on YouTube will cost the person a strike. How's that? Oh, yeah. Now, how's that work? I mean, well, no, but I'll say it right in case you didn't hear it. Cause see, Eric, the text is not mic'd up. Can you say it in pig Latin? No, I'm going to say it just the way it is. Louise Rosalma, Rosalma, or her. She's the one that, uh, appeared on CBS local San Francisco news. The, what? Day, day or two or three afterwards or a few days afterwards after getting smacked, punched. Look, I'm not, I don't advocate violence against women. I do not advocate, but I've never hit a woman in my life. You're missing out. You tell me <laughs> not to make jokes and I'm then you. Kidding. I know, I know. I figured I'd, I'd, I'd break the wall down and lay the groundwork for you to. No, no. You know, I, I was joking around. I said, uh, I said, I'm going to announce my, uh, my retirement for um, sexual harassment claims. And I was just, you know, and I've never hit a woman either. But no, uh, I know yeah, my wife. She's uh, she's gotten a few shots on me a few times. <laughs> I don't want to know that. <laughs> um, but but you know, here's the thing. Um, this woman, Louise Rosalma, she's a member of the. Uh, 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 Oakland. Let me just get this. Let me just make no, sure. I didn't I see the right. CBS interview. I, I only saw. Yeah, CBS local. I saw a few of the written articles that talked about, you know, oh, you know, Trump supporters beat helpless woman. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the Huffington Post and others like yeah, it. Yeah, write that down at. Anyway, but is she, okay, she, she's a member of uh, a couple of anarchist groups. Uh, Oak Roots Anarchist Collective. You know who I'm speaking of, right, folks? You do know that. All right. Well, nonetheless, come to find out, she's uh, into uh, allegedly uh, based uh, based on uh, investigative researchers. She is allegedly known as Venus Rosales. Emily Rose Marshall, Emily Rose Newart. She uh, is into uh, porn, and specifically, shall we say, the pursuit kind. Dun, dun, dun. Did you know that? I, you know, I, I was relevant. Is it relevant? It goes to character. Simply put, it goes to character. Anyone disagree? No, I didn't think so. HagmanReport.com. That's where you'll find news information analysis. Hagman and Hagman.com for the show. Look for the old style radio on, uh, the site there and, um, and then you can go right to the show, uh, the, 
the show schedule is right there. John Robertson, our, our program director, uh, producer, has done a great job in setting that up. You know, I, the reason I say allegedly and in my view and such, we live in a very litigious society. You see, you hurt someone's feelings, they sue you. Just so you just understand that. Okay, now they may not win, they may not have a snowball's chance and you know where to win, but it just costs you money. And it, it it's litigation through bankruptcy. So I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna just you know, I just don't want to do that. Do you? No. So, you know, in my opinion and allegedly, because in America at the moment we still have the right to express opinions. For now. It's gonna change. It's going to change if we let it change. It will. And it will. When we start digging deep below the surface, below the headlines of, of these these anarchist groups, you're going to find a lot of rot. And I mean that. You, you might, you, you know, you, you folks might be saying, "My goodness, you've been such." In such a foul mood. Actually, I was, uh, today, I, I was doing some things with our videos. And I don't know, it was a show the other day. It was on in my office and I was downloading some things and my wife was working at her desk and Jackie at her desk and it was playing across the speaker and I felt these stares like, because I sit kind of Anyway, I felt these stares. And, and, and I was listening to, or the, uh, the, uh, music, or the, uh, audio was on. And my wife said, uh, you didn't just say what I think you said, did you? And my, and Jackie was like throwing things at me and, not really, but she said, my goodness, you're in a, you've been in a foul mood. And I guess guilty as charged. Um, I, you know what? I'm only human. And I was talking to Steve Quayle the other day, and uh, we were both kind of lamenting about our to each other about our. I, am I allowed to talk out of school like this? I guess Steve wouldn't mind. Um, we were both lamenting about our our dispositions of late, and. Um, of course, you know, we have to repent. Yeah, of course we do. But he said, you know, I just, I, I don't understand why people, especially the Christians, are not getting it. We're, we as Christians, and even, and Jews, of course, it's difficult to separate Christians and Jews from this victim uh, group. I'm going to say victim group because we are under attack, and yet, a lot of the a lot of the pastors are AWOL. A lot of the rabbis are self-loathing Jews. A lot of the the evangelicals are not showing up to fight. And the politically conservatives, the conservatives, the we're not showing up. You, you know, to me, and folks, I ask you. If, if we, if we carry, if we were packing heat, if we had, if we were legally armed, carrying weapons, 
or if we went to, uh, for example, if, if, and, and uh, apparently South Dakota, for, I'm going to go back to, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Brandon House, and, um, Pastor Sharam Hadian. April 9th, they were up on stage giving that, that talk when that Muslim man striving for meaning of his life and apparently, you know, just in in my view, perhaps diminished capacity looking for looking for some reason. You know, he walks into that that venue and he he takes the video camera and he, he scans the crowd with the video camera on his phone and uploads it live to Facebook, you know, wearing a shirt about oh an open carrying with a forty five. Saying that he's a Muslim on his shirt and but he's an American. He's from Saudi Arabia, forty five, gonna be forty six at the end of this month. I look, I know I know where he lives, uh, you know, I get the whole I mean don't forget what we do. He's been in this country twenty four years, originally from Saudi Arabia. He's got uh numerous trivial judgments against him, financial judgments against him. But I won't, but I, I digress. So, you know, he walks in carrying a, uh, carrying a sidearm. He's got a, something, a gun in his whole, uh, ankle holster. And, um, he goes out and makes this idiotic, insane, inane, in my view, video. Be terrified, be afraid. Ostensibly trying to prove some kind of point, which certainly escapes any rational human being. But in his attempt to be relevant, strive for relevance and meaning in his pitiful life, um, create some question about the safety of Mr. House and Pastor Adian and even the people in attendance. But would that be different if everyone was carrying in that room? If there were residents of the state? Would that be different? Would he do that? I don't know. Would it be different if the Muslims did not look at the Christians and Jews as some disparate party, you know, uh, peoples that, 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 are, that, that don't have their acts together, that, that, that would rather roll over, lay down, curl up in a fetal position, then stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, he ain't gonna victimize me. Okay, I don't think uh, I, I just heard over here a growl. So, think about the the invasions of Christian nations by Muslims thousand years ago that, that led to uh, you know the Crusades. I mean, you had armies of warriors in these Christian nations uh, in some cases. I don't think it matters if every Christian even comes out and puts signs on their house, you know, I'm an armed Christian, uh, you know, come mess with me. Or No, no, you know, no don't, don't, don't invite trouble. trouble. But you know what I'm saying. If you mess with me, I mean, I'm I don't armed. think it matters it, it, because the ideology of 
the jihadis or Islamic terrorists, you know the the playbook that they um, have been following and that they are basically indoctrinated and trained to believe in. And it's not going to matter if if their opponents are uh, armed or not, tougher than them, armed or not, prepared for fight or not. These people are are, are commanded to do it. Well, okay, I do. I'll give you. I'll give you the facts. But, I'll, I'll uh, give you. Look, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you the fact that the people who are suicide bom- or homicide bombers, they aren't suicide bombers. They're homicide bombers. The people that intend to go out by way of uh, suicide by cop or suicide by by vest or just plain homicide, uh, that 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 sick, twisted mentality. Where they are the attackers and against, uh, yeah, I agree with that. That nothing would work on those people. Those people, in my view, are clinically. Uh, although I'm not a doctor, I have to stipulate this. Of course, I'm not a doctor, but they're psychopathic. They're insane. They're they're you know, and then a few short, far short of a happy meal. I don't know how else to describe it. You know the um, the uh, targets of the terrorist attacks. Right. Um, right. We've seen uh, just the one that comes to mind for this example is the. Florida uh, homosexual nightclub, the Omar Mateen shooting. I mean, you had there. Uh, well, okay. I, 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 can't, I can't even remember Fewer. how many people were killed there. A well, lot. Okay, but I'll tell you something. If 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 one, two, three, four of those people had weapons, right, right. Um, I mean, it, it, that's the next point I was going to make. Is if um, the Christian population and others were were armed and you know unafraid, these terror attacks would get. Uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't get nearly as much traction as they would, as we see in the public now, where they're able to mow down tens, twenty, thirty people at a time. Um, you know, you might get a few, but they'd be put down as they should be. Right? right. Yeah. No, no, I agree with that. No, I agree with that. For, I mean, folks, it obviously, it, would help to yeah. to have a, a much more aware and armed populace, uh, and, regardless and I, of their religious affiliation. Right. And those people, and I have to say this, and and, and I'm going to end the domestic side of this because this is all part of the domestic. Uh, Agenda here, the the agenda by the Muslim Brotherhood, invited in by Barack Hussein Obama the second, Barry Satoro, that man, the illegal occupant of the White House, invited the Muslim Brotherhood. Actually, it was it was previous administrations, starting with really the Clintons. If you want to go back to back to Carter, I suppose you can make that argument, but. Obama just put the pedal to the metal with respect to the, the Muslim infiltration in, in our government, in our throughout our political system. Uh, just like directly after World War II, the communists into our government. Well, during the the reign of Barry Satoro, uh, Barack Hussein Obama II, Muslim infiltration into our government uh, in, in just unprecedented numbers. And it's still there. It hasn't been rooted out, cleaned out. I ask why. But nonetheless, look, um, th- this is all part of the plan in this country. Domestic situation right now. And th- that's the thing I wanted to, there's a lot of national news, geopolitical news that we're going to be talking about tonight, of course. You've got North Korea. You've got Syria. And, and I do believe that Syria is, oh, that's probably the bigger flashpoint than North Korea. Although North Korea is making, making, you know, the, the, the flashing, signs and sites and stuff right now. Uh, but I think that'll be tempered by China and Russia. Russia's mobilized, uh, um, uh, some troops and uh, armaments on the northern border. It's a very short northern border of North Korea in th- that abuts Russia. You know that, right? Uh, get a map out and understand mm-hmm. that Russia, North Korea and Russia do. Um, there's China and, and then North Korea, uh, or Russia. But so we, we, we have all that. But I do believe that when you look at the uh the, the the smaller cuts 
you know, it's like a, it's like an accident victim. You've got a whole bunch of cuts, cuts yet to happen through the terrorist attacks, through the Muslim infiltration, through the Marxist infiltration in our government, domestic violence. You've got the white versus black or black versus white. You've got the, the racial, uh, divisions and, uh, what's happening there. You've got the class divisions. You've got the, the stoking of the fires of, of groups like Revcom, CP, uh, CPUSA, um, and I would, in my view, throw in care. That's my personal opinion. You've got uh, the the, uh, the Muslim Marxist, Marx or Muslims attempting to take over, and this red green alliance is curious at best because when the Marxists are done and the communists are done uh, with the with the Muslims, look, they're gonna just you know take care of them. Just phew, we don't need you anymore. And certainly, there's an interesting alliance between not just the red. And the green, meaning Marxist and the, and the, uh, Muslims. But isn't it interesting that you get the red, the green, and then you get the rainbow. And how they're all coalescing. Well, into this multifaceted domestic, uh, situation that we see taking place today, folks. This is, this is being, we are, this is all choreographed, exquisitely choreographed if you look below mm-hmm. the surface. And you need to understand that. Uh, nothing you see taking place is taking place by accident. And, you know, you've, you mentioned earlier about, uh, uh, Linda Sars, uh, who, what's her name? Sarsour, uh, the, the yeah. Muslim woman that, at, at the, uh, the pink, uh, pea-wearing hat. Linda Sarsour. Sarsour. Palestinian American activist. She's gonna be giving the commencement speech at the University of New York, UNY Graduate School of Public Health. And health policy. She, and this lady, she was, she was the one that, 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 that headed up the, uh, uh, you know, Women's March. She was the, the one of the main organizers behind the January Women's March. She's the former executive director to the Arab American Association of New York. Yep. Um, and I did a whole spoke, video on her. She spoke in the 15th annual convention of Muslim American Society and Islamic Circle of North America in, uh, December of last year. And, ICNA, which is named as a Muslim front group by the, or a Muslim Brotherhood front group by the uh, memorandum. And she has a a number of different uh, close ties to Hamas. Of course. Including former friends and people who are in jail now for terrorism charges, um, even though the U.S. designated Hamas a terrorist group in 1995. Uh, The, uh, one of her her, uh, sister or a relative of hers, um, the FBI said that uh, she raised money for Hamas uh, from a period of 2001 uh, for a few years. And this lady is going to be giving a speech, a commencement speech, at a place where they deemed it too dan- uh, Mike Pence too dangerous a man to speak. They're inviting terrorists to come speak and saying people like Mike Pence and others uh, posed a threat to, the- to them. It's absolutely insane. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's and ridiculous. I could go through. There's a lot of uh, the Daily Caller has a, a good article on it. Uh, they actually have a few articles on it, and um, it goes through her history and uh, the ties to terrorism and the ties to a number of bombings. Um, it's actually very alarming. When I read this, I was there was more there than than I remember from uh, the last time we looked in, into this lady. They describe her as a powerful public health and social justice speaker. 
And look, she was behind, folks. And again, I did a video on this. uh, Right. March, I believe. I did a, no, I don't think she was. It was in New York. She was protesting. A a day without woman. All right. But I did a video on this. You can go back in our channel and take a look. This is right after the Women's March. But, but she played the central role in pressuring the New York, uh, police department to terminate, NYPD to terminate its uh, surveillance of mosques and, uh, Organization specifically suspected of promoting terrorism or uh, uh, promoting terrorism. Yeah, her cousins were both in jail, of course, for um, uh, serving time in prison in Israel because of their work with Hamas and for Hamas. Um, you know, and she also she also picked on uh, uh, she also condemned it, really, really slammed Hersia and Hersia Lee. She is the uh, she, Ms. Ali was subjected to excruciatingly painful and uh, long-lasting female genital mutilation. And uh, here's what this Linda said about that. Uh, I wish I could take... Well, she was referencing Ms. Ali and uh, Brigitte Gabriel, a very fine, upstanding woman that uh, is outspoken against Islam. Um she said this against those two women. I wish I could take away their vaginas. They don't deserve to be women. Uh, she stated that on March 8th, 2011. And uh, she expressed uh, on behalf of Muslim New Yorkers solidarity and support for anti-capitalist Occupy Wall Street movement. And, of course, in 2011, uh, the Obama regime honored her as a champion of change. Of course they did. Give me a kiss right in the lips there, Jeez. right, uh, between Obama and this woman. And, and you know, the care presented her with a Muslim, American Muslim of the Year Award in 2013. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she had uh, an extensive uh, yeah. history with, uh, social justice, liberal, uh, ultra liberal and progressive, uh, causes and ties to terrorism. Family in jail for terroristic acts in Palestine and Israel. And her own uh, condoning of such behavior on social media outlets like Twitter and Facebook. Uh, folks, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Gary Hunt. You remember Gary. He was the journalist who was went to jail for reporting the names of con- confidential informants from an open court case. And we're going to get his story uh, on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. HagmanReport.com, Hagman and Hagman.com, both websites. The uh, HagmanReport.com is for news information analysis. Hagman and Hagman for our show. We have with you, with us, presenting to you, Mr. Gary Hunt. You know, Gary Hunt, his um, arrest, shall we say, is a threat to all of us. It's a threat to the freedom of the press. Uh, this is related to the, the Bundy Ranch situation. This is related to uh, Mr. Hunt. Um, uh, his publication of information, open source information, and then being an example, made an example of. Better to explain it is the man himself, Mr. Gary Hunt. Gary Hunt, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Yes, sir. Why don't you tell, for those unfamiliar, just give a little background. What, what, what in the world happened? It was actually the Oregon incident, the Mulhauer National Wildlife Refuge takeover, and I acquired uh, discovery information that was 
covered by a protective order, but the protective order applied to the defendants, the attorneys, people working with the defendant or the attorneys, but it didn't apply to me. But I acquired that information, and there were 15 informants, and so I was able to break down what informant, you know, the 270 pages, I think, which informants were what they call CHS 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way through 15. And I looked at those. There were indications of meetings or being present at a location. So I contacted people that might know about these circumstances, asked them who might have been in that situation, and was able to identify then who these players were. The names were not given to me. I had to develop that through deductive reasoning. And so I began publishing articles outing, exposing these people as informants. And now the protective order, as I say, didn't apply to me, and the court actually admitted to that because well into their efforts to try and make me cease and desist or be held in contempt of court, they changed the wording of the supplemental order, and all of a sudden it covered anybody in the world who might even pass my articles on because it was the dissemination of the information that they felt was prohibited. But this went on for over a month, and they just didn't like the idea that I was outing these informants. Some of them, two of them at least, are probably career informants, one in Oregon, one in Washington, who are full-time informants. And so their assets that they'd established over a period of time were being taken away from them by my exposing these people. So, okay, they were assets for the Department of Justice, the FBI, is that it? FBI was the case handlers. It was FBI documents that I had. They were redacted heavily, no names or anything, and I had to develop who they were out of the information that was available within the reports. What I found interesting, Mr. Hunt, was it appeared that there were more FBI operational assets for the FBI involved in this than actual actors. Well, there were 15 informants, nine of which were at Mill Hour National Wildlife Refuge. The other six were outside. They were in phone contact or they were involved with some of the players in some way and were constantly feeding information back to the FBI. So if we take the nine that were at Mill Hour, and many of them stayed the entire period, in reading the reports, it appears the reports were indicating between 20 and 40, but say an average of 30 able bodies on the refuge, capable of fighting, so to speak, on the refuge at any given time. And we've got nine informants. We've got 30% of the people there were informants. They were working for the government. Okay. Yeah, quite disturbing. Were some of these planners? Okay, you know how it's often said that somebody wouldn't commit a crime without the prompting or without the assistance of the FBI, whether they're operational assets, informants, whatever. Is that the case here? Were some of these informants the brains behind the operation or goading the others on to doing what they're doing, or were they just passive and being operational assets by definition? Well, they were not discouraging by any means in the reports that I've read, but 
there were occasional hints of uh, suggestiveness, but then there was one, uh, Fabio Menaggio, who was known there by, as John Kilman, that uh, set up some training exercises, how to get somebody out of a car. Uh, he had uh, people line up along a bank of a canal and, and do uh, concentrated fire, for example, and that footage was shown four times during the first trial. Uh, but Menaggio, I didn't out Menaggio. He was found by the defense of one of the defense teams. But when he testified, uh, he was behind that training. And, you know, the government didn't know that he was going to testify. They didn't know that he'd been found out. And so this video that they had to demonstrate the uh, aggressiveness of, of the people at the refuge was actually set up by an informant. Uh, it wasn't provocative as far as... Uh, the whole takeover, but it was provocative in, in giving the government something to demonstrate the aggressive nature of, of the, the patriots that were there, which got wasted by the not guilty verdicts in the first trial. Now, uh, Gary, with the um, publishing of the names of the confidential informants, one of the big issues that um, law enforcement has with this is it puts, uh, in, in a number of cases, it puts these informants in danger. Were, was there any dangers um, by you publishing the names of these confidential informants? Were they placed in any, well, any danger? The, the Roviero case is one the government brought up uh, about the time Anagio was was testifying, and uh, Roviero had to deal with drug dealers, and it talked about informant's privilege. But once it also said once the informant is identified, the informant uh, the informant's privilege disappears. <laughs> Uh, but in drug dealing where, you know, they're, they're killing people uh, that they're dealing with, they're killing people by the drugs they give out, there's a high risk of that. We're talking about people that are waiving the Constitution. Uh, they're not a threat to anybody. And as proof of that, the government put Carl, uh, Mark McConnell in testimony. The U.S. attorney uh, got a, an Oregon State Police officer to identify Mark McConnell as driving the second vehicle. And he was complicit in this whole thing and very possibly knew, uh, well, probably knew that the roadblock was going to occur. Now, so he was complicit to some degree in, in the murder of Lavoy Finnicum. Uh, but nobody's hurt Mark McConnell yet. And that was, uh, he, his name came out in September or early October. It was in September of last year. So is there a threat to these people? There have been Facebook threats, you know, idle threats, uh, but uh, nobody has been harmed of, all, uh, of, of the 11 that have been exposed. Not one of them has had a hair on their head harmed. Okay. So okay. But, it's conjecture of the government to suggest that. Uh, all right. Now, a lot, a lot of our listeners and viewers want to know, basically, it wants you to describe what happened the day of your arrest, and, and I think, uh, well, if, if you, you know, to the extent you feel comfortable, go ahead. Um, what were the conditions uh, surrounding well, your arrest? Three, three times I had met FBI Special Agent uh, Matthew Catalano out of Sac- uh, Sacramento. Uh, he served me the cease and desist letter, which I said doesn't apply to me, and he served me two subsequent documents that were never enforced, by the way. But finally... Uh, on January 4th, I believe it was, I mean, March, uh, March 30th, March 30th, uh, I was at, at, right here at my office and I got a phone call from Catalano. It was just before noon 
And he said, I'm uh, up here in Las Molinas. Normally, he would call me and tell me when he'd be there, and we'd meet in Las Molinas. But he said, I'm in Las Molinas with the U.S. Marshals, and I suppose you know why we're here. He said, I suppose you're here to arrest me. And he said, yes. And my wife had just told me lunch was ready, so could I, I said, could I have some time, uh, say, an hour for lunch and to explain this to my family? And he talked to somebody else and then said, yes, we'll give you an hour. So I went and ate lunch, explained it to my wife and uh, daughters, and um, actually it was about 20 minutes or half an hour later, I called him back and I said, okay, I'm going to go out on the street, I'll be out on the street unarmed, uh, and I left, you know, emptied my pockets of anything I didn't want to take with me, and I walked out on the street and walked down the street a little way so my family didn't have to uh, kind of like John Ritzheimer did when he self-arrested. And uh, they came up, uh, two vehicles, four BATF agents, or uh, U.S. Marshals, battle gear, automatic weapons and everything. They got out like they were going to war, and I'm standing with my hands out to my side and uh, waiting for them, and they stopped and just stood there. So I began walking up towards them, and when I got there, he said, turn around began to cuff me, but one of the agents, I said, are you going to take me all the way to Sacramento with my hands behind my back? And one of the agents said, well, let's five-point him, which is a, a waist chain, and then the cuffs go through a loop on the waist chain, and your hands then are cuffed right against your waist. You can't even scratch your nose, and then they put leg irons on me. But then uh, I got in one vehicle with one of the marshals, and the uh, three rode back in the other vehicle down into Las Molinas where they had two more vehicles. So there were four agents, uh, fully armed, fully battle-geared, and four vehicles all the way from Sacramento, 120 miles away, spending taxpayer money uh, because they couldn't ride together, I guess. I don't quite understand why they did that. Uh, but then they transported me to Sacramento and, and uh, had me booked into the Sacramento County Jail in downtown Sacramento. Wow. Yeah, this is... Uh, from from what I understand, the beginning of of uh, your journey, when you got to jail, um, what happened when when you got to jail? Uh, did was did they uh, abandoned you? Um, was there some well, treatment? No, there was no real mistreatment uh, uh, specific. In fact, uh, among the uh, other inmates in the jail. Uh, I was somewhat of a novelty because I was a federal prisoner. Most of those are state or county prisoners. Uh, but the, the, the treatment overall in jail is abusive, to say the least. Uh, the food is unidentifiable. I ate very little. I probably lost five pounds in the seven days. Uh, it beats paying to go to a clinic to lose weight, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Uh, but, you know, I found out what white privileges, for example. There are two times during the day that you have access to the phones. They're one-hour periods. They call them day room time. They're usually before or after business hours. There are only two to, two of the, uh, you know, seven or eight uh, days, that, uh, seven days that I was there that I was able to make a call during business hours, which makes it difficult to contact your attorney because there's no way to contact him. Uh, but the white privileges, there were six phones in the uh, pod I was in. There are um, 40 cells in a pod, two prisoners, so 80 people in a pod. Uh, one's uh, 10, 20, cell, 10, 20 cells upstairs, 20 cells downstairs. And there are six phones all downstairs. And I was told that uh, these three phones are for the Crips, and those are for, uh, those two over there are for the Northerns. And they didn't say who the, the sixth phone was for, but 
I found that I had as much trouble getting on the six phone as any others. And finally, I made some friends with some crepes. They, they started letting me, uh, when they were done letting me, uh, there's a lineup system, and they would pick me to follow them on the phone. Uh, so white privilege is the privilege of maybe being able to use the phone in jail. Well, uh, be still my heart. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I don't know. That seems to, well. Yeah, I'm not going to make make fun or just on that at all. But yeah, okay, that, that's uh, wow. Yeah, this way, I'll post to freedom dot com. I'll post hyphen of hyphen freedom dot com for slash, slash blog slash blog. blog. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Hunt. Was this your first experience uh, uh, being arrested and, and having to go to jail? Uh, no, but the last time was back in the '90s, and uh, it was a failure to appear on a traffic. Uh, uh, violation that I, I ended up beating in court, but it began in 92 when I got arrested, and then I was in Waco in 93, and I was supposed to appear on the 21st of March. I was still in Waco covering that, and so I got a not to appear, and I ended up with a couple more. But this is totally unlike the way jail was back then. Uh, I mean, you're, you're not in a cage anymore. You're in a block. There's uh, one horizontal window about six inches high and about four feet long, uh, to the outside, and then uh, in the door there are two vertical windows uh, about two feet long and about uh, four or five inches wide, one upper, one higher, and one lower. And everything else is, is painted steel or, or uh, concrete and two bunks and the, the standard toilet and the table. And that's you, where you are all but the, the two hours a day that you're allowed out. Wow. Did you, did you have a cellmate? Um yeah, uh, he was a, a heroin addict, and he came in the same time I did, and he was uh, going through withdrawal, and oh, so I got, did my best to help him through it, and we became friends. We spent uh, six of the, the, the nights I was there with him. The first night I was in a uh, holding area before they give you a, a place to go. Uh, but I went to court, uh, a release hearing or a, de- a detention hearing. Uh, I think it was a release hearing in Sacramento. And, you know, the, one of the U.S. Marshals told me, you'll probably be home by tonight. But, uh, it's a circumstance that will be part of an article in the future. And I don't want to go into it now, but basically he said, no, you're going to hold him. And my attorney told me I would expect to arrive in Portland on April 25th. Now, interestingly, when I talked to John Ressheimer later, uh, 25 days, or in my case, 26 days, is diesel therapy time. That means you go to Oklahoma, then to prompt, uh, then fly to prompt Nevada, and then go to Portland. They just diesel you around the country. And so I was looking forward to that, and he wouldn't, my attorney down there could not get him to even listen to the possibility that I should be released under, uh, an appearance bond, uh, Basically, federal government uses unsecured appearance bonds now, uh, where there's a, and ultimately it was a $10,000 unsecured appearance bond. Hmm. But that came much later and, uh, a week later. Uh, so I was looking at 25, uh, days, uh, before I even got to Portland, before Judge Brown up there to deal with, uh, what I believe is my legal right to do. Talk to us about Judge Brown and, what went on there with respect to the definitions, the differences between persons and defendants and all that stuff? Well, my, my, uh, after, uh, 
what happened, as near as I can tell in, in talking with my attorneys, on Tuesday, I was arrested on Thursday. On Tuesday, uh, Judge Brown says, where's Mr. Hunt? Well, he's still in Sacramento. I thought he'd be here yesterday, so apparently I would have gone to a hearing, and she might have had it scheduled, though I don't see it on the docket, uh, to deal with this. And so uh, she started making arrangements then, and on Thursday, a week after I went to jail, uh, we had a telephonic hearing, and she, uh, Sacramento Jail doesn't have a facility for you to talk to your attorney in any secure situation, so I ended up going down to some room that's used for something else, and they had a cordless phone there, and uh, the officer who said this is quite rare that we do this, uh, but apparently uh, Judge Brown said, I want to talk to him, and you better make arrangements, and they did. And so I was in, on the telephonic hearing with them. And they, uh, prior to that, earlier that day, uh, a pre-sentence guy was up with my attorney and he handed me some papers that said, uh, one was notice to defendant being released and the other one agreement, uh, to defendant being released, uh, uh, appearance bond agreement of the defendant being released. And I said, I can't sign those. I'm not a defendant in anything. You know, that would subject me to the jurisdiction of that court. And the biggest issue I have is the court has no jurisdiction over what I was doing. And uh, so during the course of the hearing, uh, Michael Rose in, in Portland, who's a federal public defender that's uh, handling my case, um, so, uh, I had said, I'm not a defendant, and Judge Brown had said, well, what if we call you a person? And I said, that would be satisfactory. And Michael Rose jumped in and said, uh, we want also want explicit wording that Mr. Hunt going to uh, court in Portland will not waive his challenge to jurisdiction. So both of those were written into the uh, the documents that I ended up signing. So one of them, the notice to defendant being released, defendant struck out, and person is entered, and in every place defendant occurs, they've struck that out and written a uh, defend, uh, person. And on the parents' bond, I, Gary Hunt, the person being released, without waiving any challenges to the court's jurisdiction, agree to appear for court proceedings. So we did establish that I'm not subjecting jurisdiction uh, in any way, shape, or form. And so it was decided that the first hearing on May 9th will be a jurisdictional hearing. And if it's determined the court did have jurisdiction, then we will have a subsequent show-cause hearing. Now, the show cause hearing was what the order was for, and so uh, we've got two steps now, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a judge's discretion on this, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to win the jurisdictional one, so I won't even have to go to show cause. Right. They they, they can kick it on jurisdiction grounds, uh, uh, grounds of uh, locking uh, jurisdiction. I understand that. Um, All right. Gary, I'm going to go back when you found out you were being arrested. I mean, you mentioned... uh, Having to explain to your wife and daughters, um, did they understand what you were telling them, and how uh, would they have to say to you? Well, my wife uh, and I traveled around the country talking about Waco back in '93 and '94 and in, into '95. But the girls were born in '94, twins, and uh, so a couple of years by by sometime late '95 or early '96. We came to an agreement that I would keep my stuff separate from the household. She wanted to be a mother and raise the children. 
And uh, so I had an office everywhere I've been. Here it's on the end of the garage in a uh, tool room, I guess. Uh, in in Phoenix, it was a, a small room in, in the corner of the house. Uh, so I've kept what I do away from her. Uh, she uh, chose to no longer assist me but become uh, a mother, a good mother. Uh, she's homeschooled the girls, in fact. They've never been in a public school, and they're 23, 22 now. Uh, so we were, it was separate. She had no idea. When I went to Burns, I explained that I'm going up to cover a story, and uh, she didn't like the idea, but she, uh, since somebody else was paying for my trip, and she agreed to it, and uh, so there's been a lot of distance. So all of a sudden, uh, I've got to explain to her that I'm being arrested because I wrote some things that the government doesn't like, and uh, it was based on my getting some discovery information. So it was kind of hard for her to digest, and she was upset. Uh, but by Sunday, see, I was able to to, to call her on the phone uh, Saturday and Sunday, and perhaps on Monday too, uh, collect. And uh, she she had relaxed by that, but uh, something happened on Sunday that brought on, and I, I'd rather not discuss it, but a uh, patriot uh, had come to our house and, and created some problems uh, by demanding things of her. And so that upset her, and it took her over a week to get over that, where it only took her three days to get used to the idea that I was in jail, even though we didn't know when I was going to be home. Uh so it was kind of a, a shocking uh, occurrence to her. Wow. Okay, your, your legal status right now, Mr. Hunt, I apologize. We've got about uh, four minutes left, three and a half minutes left. Your legal status right now, so you're waiting, uh, you're waiting a hearing to determine ju- jurisdiction. You prevail there. It's kind of a done deal then, right? Right. Unless they decide to come to the Eastern District of California and try and enjoin me from doing this. I mean, they, there are uh, different routes that they should have taken at first, which is why the jurisdictional hearing. Right. Okay. And your, his website, uh, Gary Hunt's website, outpost hyphen of hyphen freedom, outpost of freedom dot com forward slash blog. Um, Go ahead. Gary, if I can, uh, you just went over the best case scenario, the, the case getting thrown out on the jurisdictional issue. What's the worst case scenario? Well, the worst case is we have to go to show cause. And now we're, you know, kind of like the Pentagon Papers. I've published forbidden information as the New York Times and Washington Post did back in 1972. And they weren't penalized for it. In fact, the court, uh, uh, in the articles, the last two articles are about the trip to Sacramento. But, uh, there's one, uh, down a little ways called, uh, prior restraint, and it addresses what the Supreme Court said in the Pentagon Papers case, that uh, every day of delay of publication was uh, a violation of the First Amendment uh, freedom of the press. And so I expect we'll win there, too, if, if, if we go that far. You know, it's interesting. There's uh, news that broke today that the United States is going to um, issue an, an arrest uh, warrant uh, on Julian Assange, uh, founder of WikiLeaks. And in the article, they go on to state, um, that the, uh, the Bradley Manning release uh, that Julian Assange, um, released back in 2010, that was also covered by the New York Times and other publications. Uh, and the article makes that distinction, but it also goes back to say that, that that's one of the reasons that they're, they're going to go after Assange is for the publications of those materials, even though other um, mainstream uh, sources publish those same materials 
and are not looking at, at criminal charges. But it's um, it's uh, pretty frightening. It just shows you how far it, the government will go it is, to. to it, it is. In, in, in 1872, Yale Law School uh, developed something called case law method. Before that, everything was substantive law. And so since then, every t- they use precedents and decisions to step away from the Constitution. So uh, does it make uh, uh, New York Times Company versus United States moot? Uh, yes, it might be. And, you know, it, it's a fear. But we've got to get back to the Constitution, and the court is constantly moving away from it. You're exactly right. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing your your story with us. Uh, we've we've reached the end of our um, our time with you. Uh, we look forward to having you on in the future, and, and I hope that you keep us and, and your audience updated, uh, and our audience updated on uh, the status of your case. And we wish you the best. I will keep you updated, and uh, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you also for what you do in exposing this stuff. And no thank problem, you man. for for your work. Hang in there and give our family, or yeah, give your family. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. Outpost Let me try this again. Give of, your family our best. Yeah. Outpost. I will. Outpost of freedom.com. Outpost-of-freedom.com slash blog. All lowercase letters. Thank you, Mr. Hunt. Uh, you have a great Thank evening. You. We'll be right you back. Too. After these short messages, don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right. You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke. Fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Paul McGuire is our guest, PaulMcGuire.us. You know, he's uh, an amazing man. I can't wait. To, uh, we're getting him on here right now. Uh, one of my favorite people is Paul McGuire. He's got two books, Prophecy of the Future. Well, he's got more than that, but Prophecy, of, yeah, Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, and then Working Backwards, Prophecy of the Future of America. The two separate books, extremely great uh, reading material, great resources. And he's got a new and, one. Uh, yeah, yeah, the new one's coming out yeah. that we're going to be talking about tonight. Conquering the Matrix. You can pre-order it today on his website, paulmcguire.us. And, um, looks like a, I mean, his books are always great. Very, um, he's very methodical with his research and, and the topics he covers. And he covers a lot of ground in, in his books. And, um, from the day the dollar died all the way to the Prophecy of the Future of America 2016, 2017, they are fantastic writings, and you know, they're well worth it. Speaking of books, uh, a good friend, Karen Rogers, uh, sent, sent a copy of, uh, this book here, Racing, sorry, Racing with My Shadow. Um, really a great read, uh, Racing with My Shadow, Karen Rogers. If, if I read this and it was blown away. Uh, watch for this. It is coming out soon. Racing with My Shadow by Karen Rogers. Watch for this book. It's a great read. Like I said, it's a, it's a personal story about uh, uh, what she went through. It's a compelling story of America's first leading female jockey. Uh, she was pretty famous back then. My goodness, really famous. While we are waiting on um, Paul McGuire to join us, I want to cover just a, a few stories. We talked about the Paris terror attacks at the beginning of the program. Um, a number of police officers were shot. One is confirmed to be killed. Two others in serious or critical condition. Supposedly three shot. And the there apparently is two suspects, two assailants. One was killed on the scene by those police officers, and uh, apparently another's got away and is still is still out there, uh, yet to be captured. What's interesting about this, the timing of this terrorist attack, there's two things. One, the, the elections that are um, just a day or two away, a few days away, in Paris, round one of the elections, um, and you have the populist candidate Marie Le Pen, which there's been a lot of stuff going on that we haven't really focused on. It's not 
I don't know, when we get into the realm of international politics and other countries' elections, I guess it's worth a mention in, in some instances for sure. But this one, more so than than ever, because we have a populist candidate, Marie Le Pen, running against a an establishment candidate, and we have the, the Brexit, we have Trump, and Marie Le Pen is very um, anti-immigration. She she's is, the Donald Trump. Of, that's what uh, she's being called. Yeah, pair of uh, pair of uh, France. Thank you. And there was um, a number of arrests just a few days ago. Maybe it was just this last weekend of a number of uh, terrorists who had plans, explosives, guns, and whatnot, planning on carrying out attacks on the days of the election. Uh, a number of attacks. There was more than one uh, plot thwarted by the arrests. Many are saying, some are saying that the timing couldn't be better for Le Pen as far as uh, this is what she's been talking about and has been speaking out against through this whole election cycle. Yeah, this, the, this is number six. I, I know where you're headed. Number of terrorist attack? Number six uh, here in a short period of time. You had, you had um, the March 18th uh, Orly Airport situation, the terrorist attack. You had the November 13th, 2015 attack where, the big attack where 130 mm-hmm. people died. And then January 7th, uh, the uh, Charlie Hebdo. Uh, you know that one. And uh, uh, yeah, you're just looking at terrorism all over the place. So, so now, in, in that shadow, are, what do you think of the timing now? I mean, is, was it deliberate? Is, no, I'm not saying that's smell, do you think, or what? No, I don't think so, because of the previous arrests uh, in the last seven days of a number of um, right. terrorists plotting to uh, conduct attacks during the election and on Election Day. And I'm sure there's still others out there that haven't been, been caught, and, you know, today's attacks are, are definitely evidence of that. But I think it you know, they Facebook banned 30,000 pro uh, Marie Le Pen accounts just last week uh, on the heels of this election. Um, the if there is a struggle between you know these populist candidates and the the New World Order and, and globalist agenda, and and that is a, a a real thing. You know, it's not just a show for uh, making it feel making it so that people feel that they have a, a false hope or a false right. chance. Um, then Marie Le Pen would be the candidate to to vote for, and she has a lot of support. And they call her, you know, far right candidate, a, a white nationalist, or whatever. Same thing that they brand Donald Trump with in the media. But um, you know, uh, the, okay, the, the but timing of these attacks about this supports her message. It, it does. It, but I have to say, what's this with MSNBC? Brian Williams complaining that that Donald Trump spoke about this as being a terrorist attack. I don't know whether but anyone saw no, that. No, I haven't. He's complaining that they yeah. already rushed to the conclusion. Well, the the police in France are the first ones that called it a terrorist attack. Uh, the president of France, uh, Holland, he already called this a terrorist attack. One of the attackers who got away, uh, his name's already out there, and the other one was being watched by the government. They knew who these people were. Right, exactly. And they, they there's no, I mean, the, the police right off the bat knew what it was. Right, um, and they're the ones that, okay. that said terrorism first. Well, well here's what uh, Brian Williams from MSNBC said. President Trump said right off the bat, "To a question, looks like another terrorist attack in France that we have not been comfortable to call it that or report that, but we'll have more reporting upcoming." That's that's Brian Williams. In other words, yeah, we're not going to call it that right now. 
Uh, it's called regular terrorist attacks. Terrorist uh, attacks after the information comes out. Yeah. Just look at the the Fresno shooter. Um, look at I mean even the the Facebook killer. CNN and others reported him as a. a Dark white skinned man. You know, many people. I, I, we've gotten a lot of emails saying, "What are you guys? What are you talking about?" The even even Fox, I believe, a dark white skinned or, or yeah. yeah, light dark. No, it was dark white skinned right. male. It's just in like reference uh, to the uh, Facebook uh, shooting. Yeah, it was like the last terrorist attack in London, where the the guy hit all those people on the bridge and then um, got out and stabbed a police officer. They described him as an Asian man when he was. Uh, a homegrown, uh, you know, Muslim guy. Yeah. Uh, the news media does this all the time. The, you know, just the Fresno shooting, the AP, um, changed what he said as he was being arrested, Allah Akbar, to, uh, God is great, and scrubbed any references, uh, saying the police there said, oh, that wasn't terrorism. He just hated white people. <laughs> um, I mean, this is what the media does. They, they take, and for whatever reason, they, they're shielding, the, the same people who would be first to kill them, given they had the opportunity, you know, to do so. Um, and so it's just mind-boggling. But with, with this latest attack in France, one thing that, um, I think we should, we should really look to is the possibility of a disruption in the elections due to more attacks. Um, and I think that. It's a, it's a good advisement, I think. Yeah. And the U.S., um, Earlier this week or the end of last week, I'm not sure if it was because of the upcoming elections, but the State Department issued travel warnings to to France, and that's coming back up as a talking point now after this latest round of attacks. So, before, before we get to our guest Paul McGuire, I just want to uh, direct everyone's attention to uh, greenovative.com. Greenovative.com, folks, if you haven't gone there yet to, to get your GMAG power cells, greenovative.com. That's the place to go. Not just for the power cells, but other uh, other important equipment. But the GMAC power cells it gives you power where there is no power. And folks, I don't know about you, but when you're looking over the landscape, potential war, what have you, or even power outages for any extended period of time, it, it, items that need batteries, uh, AAA batteries, AA batteries, even to charge your cell phone, tablets, other devices, you need power. This is the answer. Using just a little bit of salt and a little bit of water, you can actually get power. You can power, recharge your, your AA, AAA batteries, your cell phone, and again, other equipment, uh, using the GMAG power source. This is great. It's a great item. We have it. We've used it. No moving parts. Durable. EMP proof. Made in America. Indefinite shelf life. If you, you know, the only thing you have to replace are the magnesium packs after a whole bunch of uses. Greenovative.com. Go to HagmanReport.com, click on the link, or just go to Greenovative.com. Get yours today. This is a fantastic item. Greenovative.com. And, uh, I believe, Paul, and don't forget, um, you get a 10% Hagman discount. Um, that special is still ongoing. You just, uh, you gotta put Hagman in there. Yep. Yeah. 10% discount for listeners of the Hagman and Hagman Report. All right, our guest uh, joining us now is Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is the web, is his website. Uh, Paul, it's been a while since we had you on. It's great to have you back. It's great to be on your program, guys. I've been watching it here on YouTube, but uh, it's great to be on the program. Um, you got um, a lot going on. You have an upcoming prayer meeting. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that. You have the uh, your your new book uh, that is available for pre-order now. And we're going to get into uh, a little bit of that if you want to. Uh, but where do you want to start tonight, Paul? 
Well, let's start on the deep state. I didn't know you were going to... Is that the title of your show? It is. Deep Deep State Strikes Back. Okay, so, so what's really... I don't know if it's amusing, but what's really interesting about this is that I have been writing on nothing but the deep state for three weeks. I mean, I've, I've, I've like, locked all the doors, turned off all my media... Like a uh, like a monk, and all I've been doing is re researching the deep state. So when I saw that that being the title of your program, uh, I was quite fascinated and I'm up to speed. I mean, loaded for bear. Paul, what what is what is the deep state? I mean, people refer to it, and I think we have to. I don't know if we have to, but it would be good to come to some sort of a consensus as to what comprises the deep state. So we're all on the same page when we talk about this. Well, that's a very good question. And as I began writing on, quote, the deep state, um, it soon became obvious that the word is somewhat ambiguous. And um, I'll try to answer it as quickly as I, as I can. Uh, I just finished a brand new book called uh, Conquering the Matrix, where I deal with how to understand the deep state, but more importantly, how to conquer uh, the the matrix. And the matrix is related to the deep state, by the way. And then concurrently, I'm in, in a uh, writing project with Troy Anderson for a book that will have a wide release, and that's why I've been working on the fresh material on the deep state for the last two or three weeks. So the first thing is the deep state... Um, to the average person means um, the shadow government, uh, but more specifically the intelligence agencies, like who's really running America, who's really running the world. Um, so we have people, you know, uh, make congressional appearances, and they're part of the CIA or the FBI or whatever intelligence agency they're part of. But... The secular media now and the liberal media is throwing around the word deep state like crazy because finally, after all these years, it's obvious that that who we think is running the country is not really running this country. There's somebody else that's been running this country for a long time, and the same would be true for Great Britain and other nations. So who is that that's really running America and some people have called it the, the, the shadow government or the invisible government, but it's really heavier and more than more intense than that. So a good a good working uh, analysis would be to call it the deep state because it inevitably merges uh, into various intelligence agencies. And, and without being redundant with the metaphor, it goes really, really deep. So when we're talking about deep state, we're talking about far more than an intelligence agency. What we're really talking about is who rules the world? Who rules the United States? How do they control it? And who do our intelligence agencies and our politicians actually work for. And I think we've seen rather dramatically over the last six months that they don't work for us. A lot of them don't work for us. They work for very powerful moneyed interests that you and I might call this the secret, the secretive globalist elite. 
And so in the same way, the deep state works for this secret of uh, globalist elite. And the one area where I would differ uh, with anybody's uh, definition of the word deep state, and I was actually writing this today, um, it is impossible, in my opinion, it is absolutely impossible for anybody to understand the deep state without understanding the deep state's connections to powerful, secret, occult societies uh, that have been ruling our world since Babylon. So in our time period, if you're really serious in talking about the deep state, you're talking about the Illuminati, you're talking about skull and bones, you're talking about Freemasonry and some of these other uh, hidden groups uh, that represent very moneyed and powerful people who are attempting to rule the world. And they're using the intelligence agencies and the media and the puppet politicians as the vehicles of their rulership. Um, the uh, you know we see this uh, when people talk about the deep state we see the uh, leap to the intelligence agencies the war within the intelligence agencies and the versus the people the war within the what people will call the good um, agency uh, the good people inside the agencies versus the the people working for the deep state in the agency gets very convoluted. Um, what would you, what, what do you think, uh, getting a good look at the beginning of Trump's presidency, we saw what happened with the, the Syrian ca- uh, gas attack, the blaming of Assad, then the, uh, very quick turnaround and strike with Syria. Do you believe that the intelligence agencies are giving Donald Trump proper information when it comes to foreign policy? Or do you believe that we are seeing, um, him kind of being his own, you know, making his own decisions based off what information he's finding out. Or do you, I guess a better way to phrase it is, is Donald Trump acting off of, um, you know, deep state information, whether it's faulty or not, or do you think that he's taking it with a grain of salt that he ran in with his campaign? Or is he part of it? Yeah. Well, um, that's hard to, to determine, um, this short in the game, because he's only been president for a short period of time. But we do know a couple of things. We know that in this recent presidential election, that um, it appears that there were various intelligence agencies that were behind uh, uh, Hillary Clinton as a candidate. And uh, I saw, and you saw, and everybody else saw on television, a lot of wiggling a lot of lying, a lot of inconsistencies, just on a rational basis. So they accused Trump of uh, being put into power by Russian intelligence and the Russian government. And they have, con- I believe it's a concocted story. I don't believe the story has any merit whatsoever. I, I think it's like a Mother Goose story or a Santa Claus story. And we learn as they as they uh, try to say that they have proof, uh, surveillance on Trump uh, that proves he was working for Russia and Russia interfered with our election because their end game there is to declare that the election is null and void and their end game is they want to impeach Donald Trump based on 
manufactured charges. So you have this conflicting testimony. And on one hand, you have the statement being thrown around by the intelligence agencies that Trump was under surveillance by Russia and Trump was influenced by Russia. Well, you know, there's a whole list of people in the Obama and Clinton teams that were meeting with Putin and the other heads of Russia. But more importantly, they said, well, Russia is spying on, it was worse than that. They accused Russia of spying on the U.S. government. And then they accused, and then they accused Trump of communicating with the Russian government. And they said, well, in the congressional hearing, they said, well, what proof do you have that Trump has been in communication with the Russian government? And they hedged on that and they didn't really want to say why. And as it turns out, we didn't hear any definitive documented statement which says our intelligence agencies were monitoring Trump and Russia and we discovered a collusion between the nation of Russia and Trump in getting the presidential election. We didn't hear that. What we heard was something they had to admit, which was simply that our intelligence agencies, Russia's intelligence agencies, British intelligence, and major intelligence agencies around the world are all spying 24-7 on just about every powerful politician, billionaire, and important person on planet Earth. They're all under constant surveillance. So to suggest that it was something unusual that Russia was doing was dishonest because they admitted they spy on people all the time. And then at first they didn't want to admit. When Trump accused Obama of spying on him at the Trump Tower, Obama didn't really want to admit that. The intelligence agencies, I believe, initially said, well, we don't have any evidence on that. But they were caught lying because other intelligence agents came forward and said, it's normal protocol for our intelligence agencies to be monitoring people like Trump 24-7 all of the time. So the other intelligence agents were saying, we're monitoring people like Trump 24-7, which that gives you an answer. It has to be, of course Obama was spying. Of course the intelligence agencies were spying on Trump because they're doing it 24-7 all the time. So we see a lot of dishonesty going on with the intelligence agencies. A lot of conflicting reports that seem to indicate there's competition between the intelligence agencies. And the thing that concerns me the most as an average U.S. American citizen, you know, we have a Constitution, we have a Bill of Rights, we believe when we're voting our vote has integrity. Why is it that our intelligence agencies appear to have been, I don't know if they've proven this, so I'm not saying that they've come to a factual conclusion, but why is it that our intelligence agencies and our FBI have been doing so much activity and spying to either discredit Trump now that he's in office, to hinder Trump from making progress, 
to try to dig up all the dirt they can on Trump. And then initially they were trying to destroy him from being elected as president. I mean, what is the purpose of the intelligence agency? To work for America and our national security? Or is it to side with one political party or another? Or worse yet, one elite secretive billionaire group or another and use their power to try to do an end run around the will of the American people and bring down Trump. You know, we've seen that. You mentioned a, a few things, The one being the absence of proof. You know, they've been running this, this rush. First it was Russia hacked the elections. Um, then it was their colluding. Then it was meddling. And they've been kind of going back and forth between the collusion and meddling. Uh, it just came out recently, maybe a week or so ago, that James Comey, um, part of the Russia election investigations, had to do with the false or the, the fictitious dossier that was created on Trump. And they used that false information to springboard forward this and to move forward this Trump-Russia investigation. My question to you is, is I know you, you know a whole lot about um, uh, the psychology behind advertising uh, and propaganda. How, the, how are they able to get away with, you know, for eight months or longer now, pushing this Russian narrative without any evidence whatsoever? And yet they're able to also twist the the Trump wiretapping story to make it look as though Trump was making the whole thing up, even after the Susan Rice thing came out and all this other information comes out. How are they able to continue to, to lie and manipulate um, so easily and freely? Because, uh, and I, I think that's a very, very important question, because um, the nature of our intelligence agencies I would say our intelligence agents, I mean, the, the deep state has been around since ancient Babylon. It's been in every empire. It was in Nazi Germany. It's been around in, in different empires throughout the world. But um, the modern deep state and the modern intelligence agencies, I would say that they began um, at the end of World War II uh, and the, the organization that previously that was kind of watching our national security on a foreign basis was an organization called the OSS Office of Strategic Services that was uh, that was uh, being run by a guy named Alan Dulles who was uh, uh, handpicked by Rockefeller to run our intelligence agencies. And he was very much involved um, in being uh, facilitating uh, the transfer of money, large amounts of money, out of uh, Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler. Uh, he was responsible for bringing it to Wall Street and then bringing it back into Nazi Germany. And so Alan Dulles, uh, a Rockefeller handpicked man, in conjunction with um, uh, a banking firm that involved uh, Bush, Rockefeller, and Averill Harriman. And then later on, that banking concern uh, years later involved George Bush Sr., who became head of the uh, CIA. Paul, and George, uh, yes. I'm sorry to interrupt. We're up against our, our break. Sure. We'll pick up right here when we come back. Folks, no you're problem. listening to Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. Um He's got a, a Paradise Mountain Church meeting coming up. 
Uh, we'll talk about that on the other side as, as well as his new book. So don't go anywhere. Paul McGuire will be with us till the end of the show. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, folks, I'm going to direct your attention to MasterPreps.com. MasterPreps.com. Wow. Uh, MasterPreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, MasterPreps.com. That's MasterPreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Postman We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Army's kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changepostonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Mr. Paul McGuire, May 11th, Thursday, May 11th, another, um, well, a, a very special prayer, prophecy prayer meeting. That's May 11th, and that will be uh, at the Garland Hotel at the Theater Room. 
in the theater room, the Garland Hotel, West Coast, Los Angeles, of course. Folks, if you're anywhere within a day's drive of that, I would definitely attend. And that's Thursday, May 11th, the Garland Hotel in the theater room. Very, 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 very worth it. And, And while I'm talking about events, don't forget, folks, May 5 and 6, rapidly approaching Joe and I, along with uh, uh, John Robertson, our program director, and uh, Russ Dizdar, will be attending Awaken to the Shaken. We're going to be part of that uh, panel of presenters. Very, very small panel. Very, uh, very select group of uh, uh, presenters, of course, at this May 5 and 6, just north of Chicago in Gurney, Illinois. Uh, come join us. Please come join us. The seats are limited. They're becoming more and more limited with each passing day. So please register. Go to, uh, Awaken to the Shaken. Uh, just, just go to either our website, HagmanReport.com. Look for the banner for Awaken to the Shaken or Paul Bigley Prophecy and, uh, hook up there with, uh, uh, look for the, look for the link to Awaken to the Shaken, but you have to register. The event is free. So as is Paul's event on May 11th. So, Awaken to the Shaken, May 5 and 6 in Gurney, Illinois, just north of Chicago. Looking forward to meeting a lot of you there, that's for sure. Let's get back to Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.io. One more thing. Folks, Trading Post in the Woods, if you haven't gone to tradingpostinthewoods.com yet, please do so. Trading Post in the Woods, they have got, you know, when we talk about homeopathy, I can do this, honest. Uh, so some of the most popular, important products in the homeopathy they have. In fact, they developed American Heritage Remedies Kit just for the Hagman and Hagman report. That's how important we think this product is. They've got uh, just a, a ton of items, but all of this is to uh, is to prepare you when there is no doctor around when there's no medical uh, facilities around or if you're going to be delayed in getting to them. And these products really work. We have used many of these products. Go to tradingpostinthewoods.com. That's tradingpostinthewoods.com and make sure you tell them Doug and Joe sent you. Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. So you're talking about the deep state, Paul. Go ahead and continue. Their connection to occult societies, you know, why they're doing this, uh, uh, who, what, when, where, and why? You're, you're kind of going through this really methodically, and we like it. So go ahead and continue, sir. Well, one thing that, that people need to know: if it is impossible for you to understand, for example, what's happening in our world, what's happening in the United States right now. In fact, it is totally impossible to understand what's happening in the United States unless you understand the role of uh, the the dark state and and related organizations. Number two is you cannot possibly begin to even uh, understand the basic elements of Bible prophecy without understanding uh, the deep state. And I'm not just being cute uh, by, by adding that statement in. It's a reality. So... Uh, like you know, I spent about three or four weeks like uh, immersed researching the deep state. I was working on it today like crazy before I even knew your title was Deep State Strikes Back, which is a great title. And um, 
I had pulled away from watching like television and then stuff because I was so immersed in the research. I didn't have time to do both. But I, uh, like a day ago, I happened to just quickly survey uh, a spectrum of different political uh, news sources, liberal, and just get a feel for what was happening in the country. And my first impression, which was very strong, it wasn't an impression that was based on necessarily a rational, logical deduction. I would call it more of a spiritual impression. As I was looking at documents and articles and stories I had printed out, I immediately, and and I was placing my hand on them, for not for any particular spiritual reason. I was just trying to keep the papers from falling off the desk. So I placed my hand on all these news articles, and this this strange feeling came over me, uh, what I would call more than a feeling, a deep impression, because what I was feeling when I touched these news stories was that they were all causing people to go, like, into a downward spiral. They were all bringing people down emotionally. They were all creating confusion, self-doubt, causing people to doubt the election. And it it was the the, the composite of what I saw being produced in the media was it was a takedown. It was taking people down psychologically, spiritually, and emotionally. So I was immediately concerned about that. Um, And I'll tell you why in a second. Now, one of the reasons why is the deep state controls the media, like George Orwell's 1984. Now, the deep state officially took off in America after the OSS was founded in Germany, and then the OSS, under the leadership of, uh, um, I just had a brain space, uh, uh, who's the guy, what's the name of that airport? My brain completely. Which airport? um, uh, Dulles Airport. Dulles, yeah, Alan and John and... Yeah, I, I, I think I got hit by a ray gun man. They, they took out my brain. <laughs> uh, um, Alan Dulles and uh, John Dulles were handpicked by the Rockefellers. They were Illuminati agents. They were high up in Freemasonry and numerous secret occult societies. Because you have to understand something. Rockefeller and one of the Rockefellers uh, just... Uh, left this world, and uh, I can't tell you where he's going to be for sure, but I have a strong suspicion where where he's going to be. Uh, He used his money, his family's financial empire, along with Rothschild, to take control of this world and grab it by the neck and force our world to go into a new world order with a one world government, one world religion, and one world uh, economic system, which is what the Bible predicts in Bible prophecy. So he has his key leaders. Now, the thing about his key leaders, like Alan Dulles, who's, who becomes the first director of the CIA, and the CIA is like the OSS on steroids. It's a very modern spy agency. And what they do, and here's, here's the, the most dangerous thing of all. Dulles comes from a family line where he's related to the Rockefellers. Uh, a lot of these privileged family lines, which some people call Illuminati bloodlines, 
they run together. So it didn't surprise me that the Dulles family and the Rockefeller family genetically come from the same pool. And um, Rockefeller is obsessed, and he wants to create this one-world government, whether you like it or not, or whether I like it or not, he's going to do it by sheer brute force. And um, that's one of the primary reasons he has uh, Dulles involved, because when you look at, well, what interests have these intelligence agencies uh, been looking after in the United States for the past um, 75 years? What what interests have our politicians been looking after, our media been looking after? Well, they're all looking after not at all the interests of the American people. They're looking after the interests of the international globalist elite, which are Luciferian in, na- in nature. They've become fabulously wealthy, and they are not looking after we the people. They exist to serve Rockefeller and, and that group. So... Um, as I was studying this, and I saw this, uh, all these news stories, which I believe, this is back to uh, Doug's question, the CIA and other intelligence agencies in Russia and Germany and other places, one of their primary uh, areas of expertise and study and science is in the area of what we call scientific mind control. So the deep state in Nazi Germany and England and uh, uh, many other nations, um, the common characteristic of the deep state and intelligence agencies is they are highly skilled and adept at scientific mind control. That's why they can manipulate people's minds through television, film, newspaper, the Internet, and social media so things are actually happening in real time before our eyes, and it should be obvious to any person who has even a minimal ability to think rationally, it should be totally obvious what game is going down, but people's brains have been unplugged by scientific mind control, and they don't have the neurological ability to connect dots and and put together uh, a rational picture of what's happening. They're like lost in some uh, zone orbiting around their brain. And these intel agencies are masters of mind control. Now, Alan Dulles and uh, Rockefeller and the others not only took care of the finances of Adolf Hitler, immediately after World War II, through Operation Paperclip, they imported 10,000 Nazi mind control scientists, not Nazi uh, rocket scientists, and Nazi genetic scientists. At least 10,000, probably 20,000, but for sure we know there's 10,000. And these guys came into the United States, and they took over the most prestigious think tanks and laboratories and secret military divisions. They were given an unlimited budget. And the Nazi rocket scientists work with our scientists and our intelligence agencies, and they develop, for example, MK Ultra in the United States, which is using LSD, etc., to create a Manchurian candidate. They develop, for example, monarch mind control, which uh, shatters the human personality, and then you reprogram the person 
to to be like a, uh, a, a sex slave, uh, uh, espionage agent, or an assassin, or any number of things. That's called monarch mind control. And there's probably 25 at least different uh, mind control programs, including what's called uh, Operation Mockingbird. Now, Operation Mockingbird is a CIA mind control uh, uh, operation in which, through Operation Mockingbird, the CIA has taken essentially total control of the mass media in America. That means film, television, uh, news, radio, uh, uh, news personalities, whatever. And I forgot which head of the CIA it was. I think it was Colby, I'm not sure, who said, quote, he was talking to the CIA, and he said, anybody who's anybody in the media works for us. We own them. And that was a former head of the CIA, and he was simply telling you that any newscaster, any celebrity journalist, anybody with a name in journalism works either directly or indirectly for the CIA, and is basically uh, uh, communicating their message. Now, this goes back to 1976 when Carl Bernstein, the uh, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author that exposed Watergate, he did an actual story for Rolling Stone magazine in 1977 talking about the CIA's control of the media. And this is a very liberal guy. And back in 1977, he said the current Operation Mockingbird that the CIA was using they had 400, the CIA had 400 journalists embedded in every aspect of our news media. The CIA uh, controlled and had close relationships with the head of the Washington Post, the head of CBS, ABC, NBC, New York Times, anybody who was anybody at the top of the pinnacle in mass media the CIA controlled, and that means they controlled the thoughts and opinions of America. But it, the scientific mind control gets even deeper than that, because in our time period, we take a guy like Jeff Bezos, who's the owner and founder of Amazon. He's a super billionaire. Yet, he owns the Washington Post, which is probably the biggest attack dog against Trump, it was the Washington Post that came up with that totally fictitious story about fake news. They completely, the fake news story was developed in partnership with the CIA, released through the Washington Post, and it was designed to take down any legitimate, credible alternative media that was trying to, to speak the truth. So the Washington Post had no facts. Uh, they based their entire story on a website with nobody's name, no credibility, and they created this narrative called fake news, which was a complete fictional story. And they said that the Russians, they accused everybody in alternative media of either directly uh, promoting propaganda uh, for the Russians or indirectly promoting propaganda for the Russians. That's a CIA mind control operation. It totally wasn't true. 
Now, if somebody listening is suspicious of what I'm just saying, well, I told you what the CIA did in 1977, but with Jeff Bezos and Amazon, Bezos just came out the other day and admitted that the CIA invested $600 million into Amazon and the New York Times. Now, why did the CIA invest $600 million in the Washington Times and Amazon? Well, Bezos said it's because they, the CIA wanted him to build a super cloud so they could, uh, uh, you know, uh, keep all their data. But that's not really what it's about. They're funding a major newspaper because that major newspaper is the most influential newspaper in the United States besides the New York Times. And if you notice, they're promoting a propaganda war and a and a indoctrination mind control war against the American public. And then we read that Google, and this is an article, I'm choosing my articles and sources very carefully, because Google, and this is not from some, you know, right-wing website, this is a mainstream, high-tech uh, news organization, just came out with a story, which didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I knew this. I just it couldn't. I didn't have facts to prove it. But uh, Google was founded in large part with CIA money, and it's regularly financed with CIA money because the primary purpose of Google is twofold. It's to be a super surveillance system, but it's also Google is a prime driver uh, on the internet in creating emotional contagions, in, in whipping people up for demonstrations, in mobilizing people into a, a political direction, in, in making sure we have a million women marching out outside Washington, D.C. So the question is, why is the CIA so interested in mobilizing these counterculture demonstrations? And what we have here, and I'm, I'm, cutting, I'm just touching the little itsy-bitsy tip of the iceberg, because in all of my books, I deal with this theme heavily, like in the first book of Prophecy of the Future of America, Mass Awakening, uh, the, the book that shouldn't be confused with the Prophecy of the Future of America because it's all new material. It's a Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, um, and numerous other books, along with the, the book you can pre-order now called Conquering the Matrix, I deal intensively with this entire subject, and now I have even more information. So where we are in America is in an Orwellian world. We have a big brother, and we not only have uh, clandestine organizations controlling our media, but most importantly, they're using highly advanced scientific mind control to control the thinking, the opinions, and the beliefs of hundreds of millions of Americans. And why that is of a great concern goes back to when I was sharing with you, you know, I would just casually put my hand on a whole bunch of uh, news articles I printed out, and I immediately had this very strong sense of, Depression. I hadn't even read the content of the articles, but by placing my hand 
find on the articles, I sense depression, confusion, self-doubt, questioning, wondering if Trump uh, is secretly uh, an Illuminati agent, and, and, and total nonsense like that. And I said to myself, how did we get from the somewhat optimism of the election into this whirlpool where everybody's minds and hearts and souls are being flushed down the toilet. How did all these millions of people enter this group think and they're like uh, committing intellectual suicide and believing these carefully planted lies and uh, carefully planted disinformation uh, in an effort to take down the nation. I'll give you a quick case in point. There were a number of news stories, and I write about them in my books, and, and you guys, I'm sure, have covered this, and I'm sure you're, you're aware of it. But there was a news story floated around, big time, that there was a war inside Freemasonry, and there was a battle between the Illuminati Freemasons like Rockefeller and Rothschild and the One Worlders and the New World Order people who want to destroy the United States, and that those Freemasons were in a mortal battle in America with the Freemasons that believe that America has a unique destiny, the Freemasons who believe in nationalism and capitalism and to some degree Christianity and uh, the success of America. In other words, this other branch of Freemasonry, specifically Scottish Rite Freemasonry, which uh, Donald Trump uh, is, to, to whatever degree, a member of Scottish Rite uh, Freemasonry, is in an all-out war against the Freemasonry of uh, the Illuminati and that the Freemasonry that's for America put Trump into power and they're prepared to go the distance in an all-out war to topple the control of the Illuminati and the globalist Luciferian Freemasons. Now, there may be degrees of truth to that, and I say degrees, but people need to be very careful about where that information is coming from. I track that where that information is coming from, and it's not a reputable source. So I'm not going to just accept that and make my life plans based on uh, a story that that probably doesn't have total credibility. And, you know, um, you said a whole bunch there, Paul, and uh, we only have a few minutes before the break. Um, going back to what you said about the, the CIA and their influence on the mainstream media and journalists saying, you know, every um, mainstream uh, media journalist who's on TV uh, basically works for them directly or indirectly. I would hope that's the case and that they're not as stupid as uh, they're, you know, that they're re- reading from a script rather than believing the lies that they are spewing themselves for some reason makes me feel better. Um, and it makes more sense, you know, uh, because I often wonder how can these people um, sit there with a straight face and say some of these things that they do. Well, I, I think what you said is very important, and I'm glad you said that because you, you defined it more accurately. And what you're saying is is the case in the vast majority of times. These I don't think all these people are sellouts. I think they're being forced to read from these scripts. They get fired if they ask certain questions. 
And it's a very subtle process because I've been on the other side of the fence inside Fox News Network and CNN and these other organizations. Nobody is overtly telling anybody what they can and cannot say. It's always an unspoken rule. So I think a lot of these journalists don't believe it. I believe they think they're upset by it. But it's kind of like a rule that if you don't toe the party line and, and say what they once said, you know, you're out the door. Yeah, and the um, um, one thing that, that really bothers me about the lies that are being presented, that the, the public, um, you know, almost half the public seems to be eating up and taking as fact, when you look back at um, people who labeled birthers or 9-11 truthers as conspiracy theorists, at least with, you know, whether they're still classified as conspiracies or not, or as fact uh, in some cases, the, the conspiracy theorists had evidence to use to, to say, well, look at this, look at this. They had dots to connect and, and things to, to show for it, research to show for it, and at least presented an alternative theory based on evidence and facts. Here we're devoid of any evidence and, and facts, and we are just in, um, you know, accusation mode and, and uh, speculation mode. And, and that, just because, it, you know, somebody's opinion is, is voiced on CNN by an anchor, it's it's being labeled as news instead of uh, what it is is just an opinion. And it's very disturbing to see so many people buying into that lie. And maybe when we come back on the other side, we can kind of talk about what we picked off Picked the left off in the last before the last break is the occult influence in propaganda, and how um, the black magic is is um, influencing people to buy into these lies, and if there's any way that we can uh, you know snap these people out of it, whether it's through prayer or uh, you know the right way of disseminating factual information. Folks, you're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Paul McGuire is our guest. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. Check out, uh, pre-order his um, upcoming book, Consequences of Evil. They're conquering the Matrix. What am I talking about? Conquering the Matrix. Sorry about that, Paul. And we're going to talk about Paul's uh, upcoming prayer meeting um, at Paradise Mountain Church uh, right after the short messages. Don't go anywhere. What kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest is Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is the website. Um, and there's a lot going on. Uh, the Paradise Mountain Church uh, is presenting a prayer and prophecy meeting May 11, 2017 at the Garland Hotel. Um, go to PaulMcGuire.us uh, and register there for free. Um, don't miss out on the opportunity if you are in the area or have the opportunity and in, in, uh, availability to drive down there and check out the meetings. Always, we get just fantastic feedback from people who attend those meetings. And uh, pre-order Paul's latest book, Conquering the Matrix. Uh, Paul, when's that book coming out? Right now, if they go to paulmcguire.us, they can pre-order it, and we hope to have it in in people's homes in about sixty days. Okay. The book, the book is finished. It's being edited now. The cover is finished. It's just going through some final editing, and then we print it, and then we mail it out. And by the way, when people order it, they need to know that from the day it's published, uh, we send it out priority mail. Uh, so it's usually within 24 hours after we receive the book, we mail them out. And and like uh, all your other books, just fantastic reads full of um very important and pertinent information. I'm looking forward to to reading this one. I like the color, uh, the cover too. It's um, that's uh, thank you catches the eye. Um, before the break, we were talking about a number of things: the deep state, the um, uh, the propaganda that's out there, the 
just this whole mess that we're in politically and, and you know almost on the brink of war or if you if you want to believe the media or the um North Korea and, and things that are going on in Syria, you know, where is Donald Trump at? What's going on with him? Um I think he's still trying to, to catch his footing and, and you know get a get a handle on what's going on. But again we can't always uh you know after this last election I, we saw a lot of people do this where they felt that because Trump got into office things are gonna change, you know, almost immediately for the better. Um, and almost like they took a step back saying, you know, they don't have to push as hard. They don't have to. And, and it was a, a little bit of a relief, obviously, because Hillary Clinton, um, was not, uh, taking the office of presidency. But we have to understand that one man is not going to be able to turn the ship around and it's going to take each and every one of our individual efforts along with people inside the government and inside, um, you know, the political world and in our uh, society, uh, to work together to to make a difference, but we were talking about the um, use of propaganda and the you know, the occultic influence with through propaganda that it has on people, or the black magic that is used um, to catch people who are kind of unaware. I don't know. I don't know what the proper terminology is, but would you say propaganda in itself is a, a form of black magic, Paul? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um... And before I answer that, I just want to say, you know, this idea, this expectation that people had that Trump would get in office and things would be immediately changed, that's a dangerous, false expectation. And what that does is that invites chaos and defeat because the proper mindset should have been, okay, uh, a man is in office that's championing many of our beliefs, but it's it's going to be a war, and it's going to be a long-term war. And we can't have, like, two-year-old expectations that daddy's going to come home and make everything perfect. So, uh, you know, the left doesn't think that way. The left picks up its sleeve, it's single-minded, and it's in there for the long term. And Christians need to, quite frankly, grow up and stop acting like uh, spoiled uh, three-year-olds and... Uh, uh, engage in the spiritual warfare that Christ called us to. But back to what you said on the occult. Yes, the uh, dark state, scientific mind control, propaganda, persuasion, advertising, <clears throat> uh, social engineering, all of that is based on the occult and black magic. And that's essential to understand. So when I say that, I'm not just saying that to be entertaining. What I'm telling your listeners is that you cannot understand scientific mind control, propaganda, persuasion, and advertising unless you really understand its relationship uh, with the occult, black magic, and ultimately Satanism. You know, they have an expression in these high-level uh, satanic circles that I began uh, observing, uh, where they, 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 they just come out and say their strategy, I'm paraphrasing their strategy, but it's kind of like to keep making believe it's going to happen so it will happen. So they keep making believe it's going to happen and then they act on it. Now, people may listen to that and think that's foolish and I have nothing to learn from it. But you see, when you understand the principles of true occult magic. I'm not talking about some, you know, dummy, you know, pulling a rabbit out of a hat. When you understand the dynamics of true occult magic, 
creating uh, a magical supernatural illusion is there, there's a ritual to it. And so you can create in front of people's eyes an artificial reality. And that's why I wrote the book Conquering the Matrix, because the matrix is an artificial reality. So they present before the eyes of the people an artificial reality, and then they coerce people into living uh, in this artificial reality. And the artificial reality is always based on lies and a departure from truth, because Satan is the author of lies. So where did this begin? This control mechanism began in uh, ancient Babylon, and it's called it's what is called Mystery Babylon. And Mystery Babylon, in its simplistic definition, is when the secretive occult ruling elite in ancient Babylon wanted to control society, they only represented a small percentage. They were the god kings. They were the rulers, the scientific elite, if you will. And they turned the rest of uh, uh, society into their slaves. So the vast masses of people became slaves. How did they make the vast masses of people their slaves? They did it with sorcery, black magic, and scientific mind control. Huxley, uh, in the late 1800s, brought this whole subject up again, except he talked about black magic and the occult, but he simply talked about it in scientific terms, and he referred to uh, a term called the scientific dictatorship. And he said that in the truly effective scientific dictatorship, um, men will learn to love their slavery, and men won't even know that they're slaves. So what he was saying was that in, in the highest levels of occult magic and scientific mind control, you can kind of... Uh, uh, hypnotize people into not knowing their slaves and and loving functioning as a slave. So this is a this is a, a, a magical occult uh, satanic principle that has been incorporated for for thousands and thousands of years. Now let's connect it to spying and intelligence and totalitarian governments because magic, mind control, the occult scientific mind control, the supernatural Satanism, always goes hand in hand with deep states and totalitarian governments. So that's why Adolf Hitler, uh, he came to power because the uh, Third Reich was an occult party first uh, and a political party second. And all his top men were high-level Satanists, uh, his head of uh, Joseph Goebbels, his head of propaganda, was a Satanist. Uh, his advertising indoctrination people were all Satanists or members of the Thule Society, an occult society, Skull and Bones, an occult society, or they were members of the Brill Society, an occult society. So that's why the, the Nazis were such a formidable force to America and Great Britain and Russia because not only were they harnessing uh, enormous power in terms of scientific engineering and technology and genetics and scientific mind control and rocketry, but at the very root of uh, Adolf Hitler's Third Reich, 
They were literally, and I want your listeners to really hear these words, they were pulling in information, technology, science, scientific mind control. They were, they were pulling that in from the fourth dimension. In other words, they weren't arriving at it simply through logical deduction. They were pulling it in because they had uh, female Nazi clairvoyants working for them who knew nothing about engineering and rocketry. And yet I've seen the blueprints that these clairvoyant, they were called the Vrilya maidens, made for Hitler, and their, their blueprints and technology of rockets and UFOs that are actually functional. So the Nazis understood a powerful principle that is a great truth in the reality that we live in, and it's been a great truth uh, of the reality that we live in since the beginning of time. And that is that technology, science, advanced mathematics, and supernatural power, and the occult, and magic are one and the same thing. Now, I want people to track with me, because the average Western mind, the average person listening, uh, thinks that those are compartmentalized areas of study. They don't believe, for example, that science and magic are one. They don't believe that um, uh, mind control and Satanism are one, or that technology and the occult are one. They think that these are separate fields. But here's where I want, I mean, I really want people to pay attention, because what I'm going to tell you, if you will grasp it, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you will evaluate it with the mind of Christ and in light with the Word of God, I'm going to communicate to you a truth that is so powerful that it has the, the, it has the ability to supernaturally release the, the nuclear force of, of the atomic bomb during the Manhattan Project, which by the way, came from occultic scientists who met at the Bohemian Grove, and that's why they had the same statue in front of the laboratory of the first atomic bomb in America. It was a statue of the Hindu goddess Shiva, the destroyer of worlds. That's the same Hindu goddess Shiva, the destroyer of worlds, that is placed in front of the CERN-Hadron Collider. And there's a very specific reason for that. Sir Arthur C. Clarke, who um, was uh, rewarded by the Queen because he invented satellite technology for Great Britain, but he was also a famous science fiction author. 2001 of Space Odyssey was perhaps his most famous book. Arthur C. Clarke made a comment in which he said, science is magic. That's all he said. Most people didn't get it. It just went right by their heads like a bullet. But when Arthur C. Clarke, who is a member or was a member of the elite, said science is magic, he was opening the door of understanding for people to grasp uh, a reality that they're unfamiliar with. And that is the ancients, uh, the people who developed the super technology of the legendary super civilizations like Atlantis, the people who developed the technology behind the pyramids, 
and the technology given uh, to mankind on Mount Hermon through fallen angels. They gave mankind science, mathematics, and technology. Arthur C. Clarke was saying science is magic. It's one and the same. Now, bear with me for another two minutes. Huxley understood science. He was a member of the British elite, the Illuminati, uh, the Rothschilds. He, he was a key leader. He also was an intelligence agent, by the way, for British intelligence, assigned uh, with the task of coming to the United States in the 1930s and spreading psychedelic drug muscle around Hollywood people. Huxley coined this term the scientific dictatorship, in which this comes from the idea of Plato, where the god kings or the philosopher kings rule a super society. And Huxley said the scientific dictatorship consists of men and women whose advanced technological, scientific, and supernatural giftings allow them to rule over the masses. There's a similar terminology that also floats around the inner secret societies, and that is a, a, an expression called the technocratic elite. And as I've shared on your show before, technocratic elite comes from the word techni or technology, it speaks of an elite that uses technology to rule mankind. And the actual word techni comes from the word wicca, from which the word witchcraft originates. So the technocratic elite is a technological elite that actually uses both technology and witchcraft to transform reality. In fact, they use the term... We, as the technocratic elite, scientists and occultists, will reconfigure reality. Reconfiguring reality is Wicca or witchcraft. And they understand that, that science, the occult, witchcraft, Satanism, is on a continuum. They understand that in the Illuminati. Now... I'm not saying that to freak people out, and if people want to read about it, and if they really want to master it and, 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 and not be victimized by it, but, but have God's truth about it explode in their hearts and minds, go to paulmcguire.us, and I have books that deal with it all, including the new book, uh, Conquering the Matrix, which specifically deals with this. So, um, I don't want to get too long-winded, but back to this scientific mind control, back to the fact that we're in a psychological operations war. And by the way, the highest level uh, thinkers and teachers in the field of psychological operations or psyops understand that psyops is first a magical profession and a scientific profession secondly. So when you have a, when we're involved in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the human race right here in America, between two opposing forces, the forces of the Illuminati and the forces of people who believe in God and the Constitution and America as a sovereign free nation, this is a microcosm of the war between God and Satan on planet Earth. But, but what's happening is, is that tens of millions of God's people, because they have not bothered to be diligent 
and to study and show themselves approved, they are lacking or inferior, and they're not up to speed on knowledge of this level. You're supposed to know your enemy, his strategies. And as such, they are currently at this moment being victimized, being assaulted, being hammered by, by very real principalities and powers that are implementing scientific mind control on tens of millions of people in the population of America. And the reason they feel psychologically disoriented, depressed, betrayed by Trump, have second givings, they're in a turmoil, they can't understand this, they can't understand that. That state of bewilderment that they're experiencing is paralyzing them on one level or another. The, the spiritual state of bewilderment is in actuality a spell that is being cast on the body of Christ by witches' covens across the United States and satanic rituals. So it's an assault on the psychological being of Christians and patriots, as well as a supernatural assault that is magical, that involves sorcery and mind control and witchcraft. It's a twofold assault. Now, when those witches all got together and pledged to meet once a month, and there are thousands of witches uniting. They, when they said they were going to curse uh, Trump, the actual words they used is they were going to release curses on Trump that were designed to bind him and prevent him from accomplishing his goals. Now, to every Christian who heard what the witches' plan was, that the spell of witchcraft that they're using is designed to bind Trump and his administration from accomplishing anything. To any Christian who's ever read their Bible, the Holy Spirit should have kicked off like a lightning bolt, and you should have seen those words, the witches are binding the President of the United States because he's trying to do righteous. They're binding him. Where else have we heard the word binding? We don't fall asleep after we read that. We recognize as we're hit with high-powered voltage of the Holy Spirit, and we're quickened by the Holy Spirit, we recognize in an instant that the, the witch's term binding is the exact same terminology that Jesus Christ gave every true believer in Jesus Christ and gave the remnant or the true supernatural of body of Christ on earth. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, said to his remnant, he said these words, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus Christ was telling the church and Christians that he gave us the superior spiritual authority to do the binding. Witches do not have the legal authority in the invisible realm to bind the President of the United States or bind him and his administration from accomplishing their goals. They're operating illegally, but the reason they're allowed to operate illegally is because God's people, the anointed church with the power of God, who knows the word, 
are not exercising their authority. They need to put the, the, the dumb dog on the leash and rein, rein them in. We have been given the power of binding. That supersedes the binding of witches. Because when we bind the spirit of witchcraft over America, when we bind the spirit of witchcraft over the White House and Trump, when we bind the spirit of witchcraft off of a, a, a you know, puzzled, uh, bewildered church, a puzzled, bewildered church is evidence of a church that has succumbed to a, to, to a spirit of witchcraft. It's been bound. It shouldn't be that way. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He gave us his authority. So when we bind in the name of Jesus the spirit of witchcraft, when we command the binding invoked by the witches, we shatter in the invisible realm, and we dismantle all power that is attempted to be contained in the witches' choice of words binding. They don't have the authority to bind. It wasn't given to them. The church must rise up with the keys of the kingdom, understand that it was called by God to take authority over the devil in this prophetic time. We're to rise up and, in the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name, named in heaven and earth, including witchcraft and Satanists, it is the church we are to bind the power of the witches. And and then we're to take it to a higher level. We are to loose the power of Almighty God. We're to loose Donald Trump and his administration. We're to loose the angelic armies over America. And we're to loose the almighty power of God to drive the demonic forces of hell out of our nation. We take authority in Jesus' name, not the witches. So this Aleister Crowley sex magic garbage, the spirit cooking garbage, the witchcraft garbage, the secret covens guard garbage, it's time for the church, the remnant church, to rise up in the power and authority that Jesus gave it, utilizing the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead, and rise up with the hammer of God in our hands in a law-abiding and spiritual matter, manner, and then shatter with the blow of the force of the dunamis of God's word, take the witch's curses, and shatter them on the altar of God. That's how we turn the battle, not sticking our thumbs in our mouths and, and questioning why, why witches act like witches. Wow, Paul, that was um, uh, right on the money, and it, a lot of things came to mind when you were um, explaining that one is uh the church that you know so often we see Christians who want to get involved in some way shape or form um looking for areas where they can get involved uh, aside from their local church and i think this is something that's overlooked um at least that i overlook a lot of times and um unless i'm reminded of it and i think a lot of other people overlook too is the 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 power of the spiritual battles and the lack of the spiritual authority that the Christian church today has compared to what it was given, um, you know, 2000 years ago. But we, through our own faults and, and faults of, um, you know, uh, of the teachings, uh, coming down from generation to generation, we've lost our spiritual authority in, to a great degree because we don't utilize it. 
in the proper ways that we should, nor in the in uh, in the times that we should. And, and all times, I guess, are times, especially in today's day and age, for spiritual battles. Whether it's you know a prayer, uh, and as you said, and gave the the uh, great examples of of binding and, and loosening, and what uh, the Lord even taught us in. in uh, all throughout the, the Gospels of our authority and how to use that authority properly. We don't do that as a, as a church today, and especially if we look at the, um, you know, denominational and, and mainstream churches out there, it's even it's non-existent anymore. Um, and, and it's hard sometimes to, for, for uh, people who to have a regular prayer life, if, if you will, with all the distractions of the modern day. Right, but that doesn't excuse us. We need to obviously put that first. Uh, we need to put the Lord first. We need to put our prayer life, um, you know, right there uh, with with our uh, walk with the Lord above everything else uh, that we uh, encounter on a daily basis. And um, I think a lot of times people get caught up in the in the daily grind of things, and it and it falls. At least for me, you know, it's not always put first. And I think if we we were to take some basic steps. Um, to reorganize our priorities in the spiritual uh, battle, we could really uh, make a difference if we if we did it properly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, 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 and one of the big dangers, which you just pointed out, and I'm not trying to pick on any particular church, but it has to be said, if you're going to a church that doesn't teach and preach the Word of God and things like the authority of Jesus Christ. If you're going to a church which has substituted the Word of God for psychological and humanistic principles, you are in, I don't care if 30,000 people go there, you are in a spiritually power, a powerless church. And, and if you had to confront principalities and powers, First of all, you wouldn't even know they were there because you have no spiritual discernment. And it is your responsibility before Jesus Christ to learn how to exercise and use your authority. So if you're not going to a church that teaches you that, well, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. God holds you personally responsible and he will hold you responsible for all the spiritual death and destruction and the souls that weren't saved because you chose to go to a church where there was no power of God. Now, the, the other thing I want to encourage people, and that is uh, when it comes to things like don't uh, uh, not feeling like it and, uh, you know, we have busy days and all that. And I believe me, I get that. I, under, I understand that. It's, it's hard. And then uh, many people don't feel worthy to use the power of God which, because Satan is using one of his greatest weapons against them, and they don't even realize it because they're going to a church where isn't teaching them the word. Satan's primary weapon against every believer, everybody listening, his primary weapon is to accuse you of your faults and your sins before God. That's why Satan is called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. And so he tries to paralyze every one of us. We all face this battle. And Satan or Lucifer points out every sin we committed or continue to commit, our hypocrisy, 
or where we blew it this day or that day. And, 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 and maybe his list is truthful. I'm not saying, you know, Satan lies some of the time, tells the truth some of the time. But then he goes to God and tries to convince God, well, that person can't pray with authority. They're not worthy. And I want to set every one of your listeners free. That is the biggest lie from hell. He's an accuser of the brethren. And Jesus Christ wants to set you free of that. How, how, how did that happen in Revelation 12? It says the church overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. When God, I, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would do this to a lot of people listening, because they will be set free from this guilt trap that, that is, is wrapped like an octopus around their necks. Um, as long as you feel guilty, you're not going to want to be with God, and you don't, you're not going to feel qualified to use the power of God. That's right. But I pray that the Lord would give people a revelation that your righteousness never comes from all the good things you do versus all the bad things you do. God isn't keeping a checklist on you. And you will drive yourself to an early grave if you try to be holy on your own strength. We are all sinners saved by grace. We all miss the mark, okay, including Billy Graham. We may miss the mark in different areas, but we all miss the mark. So the most liberating truth is, is that God sees us as totally pure and holy, never based on our performance, never based on whether we were good this day or bad this day, or whether we committed this sin this day and didn't do it on another day. God is never looking at us like that. God looks at each one of us as totally pure and holy, because we receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when God looks us, looks at us, he sees us in the righteousness of Christ. And that means we can come boldly to the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus, not because we're good, through the blood of Jesus, and we can ask God boldly to answer prayer. We can exercise our supernatural authority. We can be used by God in the most phenomenal ways. And I want to say this especially to men, because men are, I think, more vulnerable uh, to this than women. As men, we often don't feel uh, adequate because we feel like, oh, we committed this sin or that sin. And, you know, part of that is because, I don't want to get in trouble here, but part of that is because the kinds of sins that men commit, I'm not justifying them, but they're quasi-social, they're kind of permitted in the overall culture. So men, you know, get beat up a lot uh, by churches. I think men get beat up more than women. But but God wants to use men. So the Lord wants to set you free from your this guilt and, oh, you did this and, oh, you did that. Come to God boldly. God will use you boldly. You have the authority. And guess what? Even if you sinned, you can call down the power of heaven. You can see God miraculously answer your prayer. Even if you've sinned in the most disgusting way, by simply asking God to cleanse you with his blood, to forgive you and receive his righteousness by faith. And then, when it comes to the matter of overcoming the sin... 
Well, you might overcome it instantly, or it might be a long struggle. But you keep asking God, and eventually he'll deliver you. And, and then in the meantime, don't beat yourself up. That, that's, that's, you're never going to enjoy victory in Christ. You're never going to be used by God in a mighty way if you're always beating yourself up. And I just, I hope and pray that it sets men free and women free. Yeah, very, very well said, Paul. And I, personally, I go through and I'll hear you explain what you just did and, and, um, but I'll still, it's like a rut, mental rut, where you, um, some weeks or, or even months sometimes, you get into that mindset that you just described. And I, and it is paralyzing, where you right. don't feel worthy, you think, oh my goodness, I, I shouldn't even be, be praying right. or doing this. I know that mindset, and it is, um, you know, it is, it, it can, uh, ruin your whole, your whole walk with the Lord, and it can, uh, as you said, take away from the things that he wants you to accomplish for his kingdom, uh, as well as yourself. It, it can hinder those in a great way, and it can hinder progress uh, with things that you're, you know, people are struggling with, as you just described. Whether it's a, in an in, instant uh, conversion or if it's a, a long struggle, you can make that struggle longer by falling into these these kind of ruts. Paul, we got about um, 20 minutes left of this interview. Um, I don't know if. We covered everything you wanted to cover tonight. I still have a few questions, but I want to turn it over to you if you want to take us somewhere where uh, you want to go that we haven't got to yet tonight. Well, let me just say something, one, briefly, and then feel free to ask me any questions you want. I used to be in such bondage over this having to be perfect before I could minister in, in the early days of my ministry that if I literally had a fight with my wife, which would be, was quite often back then, <laughs> because our early marriage was like Vietnam. Yeah. And I felt so ashamed because, you know, we had have an argument that I was paralyzed. I couldn't even stand before a small group of men and minister. I was so guilty, and I lived in torment. And then I began to realize every time I ministered, uh, the, the devil would point out sins I'd committed or, or arrange it for me to, 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 to sin. And finally, I got the victory. And it's not that I'm casual about sin. I repent of sin. But now it's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. If I sin, I ask God for forgiveness, I receive his righteousness, and then I go do exactly what God called me to do. And I fully believe that the power of God is moving on me with total supernatural authority. And I haven't been crippled one inch by that sin because I repented over it. And that's what I pray people would get a revelation of that, because it, it sets you free, man, and it feels good to be free. Absolutely, it does. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's necessary to uh, continue your, your spiritual growth while you're on this planet. You can't be um, hindered by um, those sins, especially if you've asked forgiveness for them and are, and are asking for, you know... Um, that to be removed from your life completely. Uh, as you said, it, sometimes it's, it takes a long time That's for right. people to deal with That's different right. issues. And you can't, you, there's never going to be a point in your life where you say, all right, uh, I have absolutely no sin in my life. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm perfect exactly. from here on out. So now right. we can do this. Uh, we need to, to have that mentality. We're going to do this now one way or the other. And I'm going to continue to work on myself while we do this. Cause otherwise we'll ne- nobody would ever, ever get anything done. Uh, no, you're exactly right. Exactly right. Back to something you said uh, about the 
when you were talking about the Vril Society, how they tapped into this fourth uh, dimensional universe. Would that be the same thing as, you know, what we hear today is, you know, the, uh, like a global conscious? And when I say global consciousness or global conscious, I mean, um, when we'll say, for instance, somebody gets drunk and, they, you know, they're completely wasted and their personality's gone, leaving them open to, uh, you know, influence from outside forces, whether it be demonic or whatnot, or even the, um, the computer consciousness that this artificial intelligence is, is gaining. Right. I guess the, the question, uh, the reason I ask this is because um, when you look at the what the real people did, they tapped into a uh, hidden intelligence source, if you will, yes. to uh, get ideas and plans that are not of human design uh, right. to push this agenda forward. And I guess uh, taking looking at this on a smaller scale, um, you know, from... Uh, I guess a good example would be when you are, maybe you're just in your car and, and you're thinking about something and all of a sudden you get this weird thought in your head, you know, to, right. to commit some sin or, you know, it's, a, it's right. a thought that you don't have, then they'll, they'll call them demons whispers or, you know, yeah. demonic influence. Is that the same, um, the same type of thing with this global consciousness and, and what you talked about with the, the 4D, um, intelligence? Yeah, it's just at a different level. So like, for example, um, I do a lot of concerts, not concerts, I do a lot of conferences speaking, and I can't tell you how many times I'll have walked into a bar. I don't, I don't drink, but I, I walked into a bar, and I I can feel, I'm not, I mean, it's not like weird or anything, it's very subtle, but I feel the sense of spirits attempting to tempt me, okay? Not necessarily for the booze, but uh, you know, there's some girl sitting there in a pretty dress or something. Just, I, 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 and I realize it's not me. It's I, I put myself in a different physical location, and I believe that there are demons in that room uh, doing all kinds of things. And uh, I try to get out of that room, and I try to keep my guard up. But yes, it's it, it's similar on that level. Now. Um, but they took it to a far high level, higher level because all of his key advisors, his propaganda advisors, his generals, uh, they were deeply, deeply into the occult, black magic, human sacrifice, Satanism, and they literally believed that, that if they would perform these rituals uh, that included blood sacrifice, and calling upon Satan and demons through their occult secret societies, that they would be given supernatural answers, uh, supernatural military guidance, supernatural victory, uh, supernatural technology ideas. And it appeared that uh, the Nazis did benefit uh, from on a supernatural level. Um, there really wasn't anything quite like them. And what's interesting, and I talk about this in the first book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Aleister Crowley, the great Satanist, um, who was, by the way, a spy for British intelligence during World War II, Hitler was a fan of Crowley's books, the great Satanist, but Hitler was assigned by Winston Churchill and British intelligence to use the network of satanic societies in uh, Germany 
to try to get intelligence and information on Hitler. So what happened was uh, Winston Churchill uh, came from one of these elite occultic families. So he was, I believe, a Druid priest, which is a high-level occult society that, that gives you an enormous supernatural power. And so Crowley, the great Satanist, is working for British intelligence. He's working for Winston Churchill, who's a, a, a Druid high priest. And then there's key conflicts. And and Aleister Crowley, the great Satanist that all the rock and roll and hip-hop people like to, to celebrate, he, ha- he counseled uh, Winston Churchill about how to defeat the demonic power behind the Nazi armies, because Churchill was concerned that this, this supernatural power in the Nazi armies, they were, they were going to just take down Great Britain. And Aleister Crowley approached Churchill and told him that Churchill you needed to use a superior form of black magic or magic that would overrule the magic that Hitler was using. And, and, and that... Uh, people who were into the supernatural believe that that turned the tide of the war. Uh, Crowley said to Churchill, Hitler is using the uh, <clears throat> Sig Heil, you know, the upraised palm sign. He said to Churchill, Crowley said to Churchill, that's not just a matter of, of you know, a way of saluting Hitler when they Sig Heil. It happens to be you're making a cult and satanic pledge. You're invoking satanic energy by raising your hand up in the air like that. And and so by saying Sig Heil, you were summoning demonic power upon Hitler's armies. So Crowley said to Churchill, you need to defeat him with superior magic. You need to call upon good witchcraft or whatever and the good powers of witchcraft I don't know if that's true but but Crowley said it was true to Churchill and he said I want you to start making the V for victory sign and having all the English and the others hold up their hands in the same way the Nazis are saying say Heil but I want you to split your two fingers your index finger and your other finger making the V for victory sign and he said by doing that you will change the supernatural power dimension and the war will go in your favor. Now, I believe in supernatural power. I believe that when people invoke supernatural power, they release it. Whether this had something to do with the turnaround in the battle, I don't know, very possibly. Um, We have to also remember that the Christian church was not using its supernatural authority uh, when Hitler took over. So they were almost like useless. There were a few exceptions, but they weren't praying. They weren't using the supernatural power of God against Hitler. It was left to the good magicians and the bad magicians, I guess. So I thought that was an interesting history that involved the integration of military power and occult power. Um, one more thing going back to the uh, what we were talking about with the um uh the 4D universal knowledge or the you know global consciousness if you will yeah these i don't know why i'm stumbling over my words the the scripture that says bring every thought captive 
to yes. make, bring every thought captive and bring it before Christ. Yes. Um, and I don't know why this is going through my mind, but I, I keep getting a, an urge to, to get into this. If you think about, you know, the, the church, the original, uh, disciples of, of Jesus and Jesus and his message, uh, yes. to, to beginning till now, when you look at all the, the progress man has made in the world, and, you know, science, technology, uh, you know, I mean, just in the last hundred years, but just from, from the time of the gospels, it, it just dawned on me that the message of the church and the church's mentality should not have changed from, in a perfect world, I guess, should not have changed from the time of, you know, Christ and, uh, the disciples gaining the, the whole, the power of the Holy Spirit until now, yes. if we followed that properly. Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Nor is anything in the world that happens or, uh, should influence or change the way that we, that we think, especially along the, the spiritual lines. And obviously we've, uh, you know, through human error and, and, uh, sin and whatnot, we've, you know, degraded the church just over time. But I wonder right. how much, um, how much can we get back if we start, you know, tuning different things out and actually, um, sticking to that, that model of, you know, bring every thought captive, um, you know, through Christ Jesus and, and basically compare it to the, make sure it's biblical before, you know, you adapt it or. Right. Absolutely. But, uh, well, I'm really, I'm not just saying this to be polite, but I'm, I mean, I'm really turned on that you asked that question because it's something that re- resonates deep within me. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. There's a Bible verse that says that often the children of this world are wiser than the children of light, which doesn't mean that that's the way God wants it to be. But God is saying it's kind of like unfortunate, but the children of this world who are following Satan are often acting wiser than my my children. And I think it's because his children have departed from his word. <clears throat> but but the Luciferian societies, the occult, the Satanists, the witches, uh the people who who use supernatural power going way back to Babylon, they they don't have any problem lying. And they have done something continually which has given them the upper hand in supernatural warfare. <clears throat> now, most recently, the, 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 the biggest example I can think of this recently is this. When Adolf Hitler was coming to power in Nazi Germany, the occult secret societies were growing in occult and satanic power. The symbols that Hitler used, like the swastika and the SS lightning bolts, were all, all hardcore satanic symbols from Tibet. Anybody with an ounce of spiritual discernment would have been able to recognize that there, there was, there was a, an increase in demonic power happening when Hitler rose to power. But these schools called the German schools of higher criticism, which were populated by Marxist professors from Moscow, whose entire objective was to train Christians, pastors, seminaries, individual Christians. Their goal was to teach them the Bible, but strip it of all of its supernatural power and miracles and the virgin birth and the resurrection. So these Marxist professors, through their German theological schools, were basically making the men and women of God spiritually impotent at the same exact time 
that the occult secret societies in Germany and the satanic societies in Germany were ratcheting it up. They were turning on all kinds of demonic and supernatural power. So on one hand, the power of God operating in his people was being snuffed out, and then simultaneously the demonic and satanic power was building and building in force. Now this was done intentionally by those who were Satanists and witchcraft and the occult. They did it intentionally. The Illuminati is very intelligent. They know how to render Christians uh, spiritually powerless. So they pulled the wool over the eyes of Christians. And they're trying, this is what concerns me, they're trying to repeat this exact same strategy in America and the world in our lifetime. We don't call it the German schools of higher criticism. But another name for those schools, by the way, was called the Frankfurt School in the 1920s. It is the professors of the Frankfurt School and their ideas that stripped the Church of Power in Nazi Germany. It is these exact, these exact men and their teachings, like a guy named Peter Drucker. He's like the guru of the church growth movement. And all these megachurch pastors seek out the teachings of Peter Drucker to find out how to make their churches grow. Well, I write about this in my books. Peter Drucker comes from the Frankfurt School. This was the same group that stripped Christians of all their supernatural power and allowed Hitler to take over. Here they are operating again with the same exact guys, with the same exact teachings. It's just they changed the name. They're calling it now, you know, Emergent Church and uh, Church Growth, etc. Stripping the church of its supernatural power. And you said something very interesting. This whole idea of a collectivist mindset or a hive uh, mind or a world brain, what that is, is that is the ultimate assault of Lucifer on individual human beings. Lucifer is saying to every man and woman, you in and of yourself as an individual are worthless. Your only value comes from serving me in a collectivist state, a totalitarian state, a group mind or a hive mind. And that's what Lucifer's message is. It's the opposite of the church. In the church, the Bible says that God created every one of us as an individual, and our individuality is important to God. Lucifer is saying the opposite. He's saying, my new world order is just a big pyramid, and you're just going to be one brick among a million others, uh, and your identity has no meaning, and you will slave to serve for my kingdom. But people don't understand that. One of the most powerful things we can do is we have to communicate under the direction of the Holy Spirit, but intelligently. We have to expose the lies of this demonic deception that is called uh, different names, like the hive mind, the world brain, uh, collectivism, groupthink, um, because that is Luciferian, and and Lucifer comes like an angel of light. People say, "Oh, great! Well, you know, we'll all work together as a team. Oh, great! We'll all be cooperative." No, that's a lie from Lucifer. That is the path towards demonic oppression and slavery. Jesus respects our individuality, and Christians need to understand that and lay hold of it. 
and walk in it, uh, because that that is how you will soar and take up wings as an eagle. God did not create you to be a cog in some dark, demonic machine. You know, God created you to be a free individual made in the image of God. And that's not a minor truth. That's a major truth. Um, Paul, real quick, uh, just a, a follow-up question. Um, when we, uh, you know, uh, get control of our minds and our thoughts and we're constantly, you know, putting the Lord first, say we're not doing that and um, we are, you know, kind of, uh, we have we have a Christian belief, but we're kind of uh, our mentalities, you know, about the world and in the world. Can we feed into that, you know, in a bad way? Feed into that hive mindset by letting our minds just run wild? Oh, absolutely. If we allow our minds to go into the autopilot mode, if we just go with the flow and we just go along with everybody else without us even realizing it. We are like jogging as fast we can as we can right into the hive mind, group think, or the world brain. Because that is the flow of the Luciferian world spirit. We have to do what you said. We have to um, uh, use the mind of Christ. We have to use the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a satanically energized argument or false thought being used by Satan to imprison us. We have to actively uh, uh, unplug that and plug ourselves in to sources of information that are trustworthy, biblical, and that will energize us and make us into the men of, and women that Jesus Christ wants us to be. Really quick, because I know we're running out of time. When I put my hand on all the research uh, about what was going on in the last couple of months, and I, it was so depressing, and I could te- so, tell everybody was bewildered and stuff, and and like they were in a collective groupthink that was despairing, uh, like they were being flushed down a toilet. I mean, I could feel it, mm-hmm. and I said to myself, I I know why this is happening. It's so obvious why this is happening, and God doesn't want this to happen. All the people that are feeding on those articles and those radio and TV programs and those media, because they're choosing to feed on what amounts to spiritual darkness, they are being destroyed by what they're allowing to input in their minds. If they would seek out sources of information like your radio program and uh, other people, uh, then they would be turned on, they would be activated. They would actually experience the feeling of being high. I'm not talking about like on drugs. They would experience the feeling of being high because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and your mind is renewed with the Word of God, you're not depressed, you're not confused, you're not walking around in a fog. You're, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And there, there's an exhilaration there's the release of endor- endorphins, oxytoxins, uh, endogenous opiates. Your whole biological solar system is exploding with natural chemicals that make you high and productive and healthy, plus the Holy Spirit makes you high and productive and healthy. So I think people need to do what you suggested. They need to guard their minds with a, a vigilance. 
Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, uh, I believe physical health starts with mental health. And, right. You know, there's the big correlation either way between mental and physical uh, right. and spiritual health. Paul, we've uh, reached the end of our, our broadcast. Again, folks, Paul's having a, a prayer meeting May 11th uh, the at the Garland Hotel. This is a, a prayer and prophecy meeting Thursday, 7 p.m., that's 422 Vineland Avenue, North Hollywood, California, 91602. Go to paulmcguire.us and get all the details there. And pre-order his new book, Conquering the Matrix. Um, you can get that pre-ordered right now. And as soon as they get it in, they will ship that out to you within 24 hours of receiving the books from the uh, back from the editors. Paul, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been uh, a lot of fun, and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you both, and let me just say that anybody who comes out to the Paradise Mountain Church meeting, I promise you, you will be plugged into high voltage, and you will be, feel you will feel the power of God, and you will get uh, true Bible teaching. Nobody leaves these meetings depressed. I guarantee you, they don't. <laughs> they float out of there. They're not leaving depressed. Amen. Uh, well, you have a great evening, Paul, and um, we'll you talk too. again soon. God bless you. That'll do it for us tonight. Stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll be back tomorrow.